Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time and sometimes the bottom 100 as well. And boy, do we have a perfect discussion lined up for you today. I'm feeling very excited about it, but first I'm going to pause acknowledge my co-host. How are you, Andrew? I'm, I'm very good. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I, this, uh, this, this movie was cast. Uh, sorry, I needed to jump on your pun run. <laughs> That's all I could think of. How are you, Darren? I'm 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 good. I'm very good, in fact, one might say, because we are joined by two hey. fantastic guests for this wonderful discussion. We are, of course, talking about uh, because today is Batman Day, one of the most sacred holidays in the Judeo-Christian calendar. Um, it is a holiday that means a lot to, to boys and girls and criminals around the world. We thought we'd discuss one of the Batman-related movies on the lists, because there are so many of them. And we're going chronologically. Last year, we did Batman uh, and Robin. This year, we're taking a look at 2004's classic, directed by Pitoff. Everybody remembers Pitoff, the great uh, French filmmaker. He, he peed off more than he could chew. He, he, he did indeed. Um, and no, joining us for... Off. We, we are indeed. Um, we are, of course, talking about the 2004 Catwoman. And joining us for this discussion, two fantastic guests. First of all, rejoining us from our discussion of Blood Rain earlier this year, the wonderful Billie Jean Doney. How are you, Billy? Hey, guys. How are you getting on? Great. Grant? Um, and quick question before we kind of start talking about Catwoman, because like I watched this and I thought very much of a conversation we had while talking about Blood Rain. We talked about the, the aesthetic of early 2000 cinema. So, like, coming off the back of kind of 90s, you know, Bruckheimer, Wu, Bay-influenced kind of movies, and before, like, superheroes kind of colonized the landscape with the MCU and stuff, we had this kind of frantic, uh, you know, dance pop R&B influence, heavily cut action sequence. I think we called it film naught is how we described it. Yeah. Lots of leather, lots of CGI, lots of compositing that isn't entirely convincing. Quick edit. Is yeah, it does kind of, so as as our expert, as the two fifties resident expert in what we call film naught, do you think that this qualifies, Billy? Is Catwoman an example of film naught? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Like, um I think there might be like a slight deviation kind of subgenre wise because it's like got the heavy R and B influences, but like I watched it again last night. Um I have seen Catwoman way too many times. Like a disgusting amount of times. I'm a little bit embarrassed over the amount of times I've seen this movie. And how I can quote a lot of it. Um, and I loved every second of it. And I just think it, when I was watching it, like I think we discussed uh, during Blood Rain, um, we discussed Daredevil. Yes. Serious yeah, Daredevil it reminded vibes. Reminded me of that too, yeah. yeah. I was thinking of kind of just generally the early noughties kind of cultural nadir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when, when I like that you don't it. even call it like early 90s culture, sorry, early 2000s culture. It's just like early 2000s nadir. It's just that blank <laughs> yeah. void we don't talk about. But it's it's like, whatchamacallit, uh, Mission Impossible 2 as well. Oh, oh the John Woo like, thing. Yeah. Where they, they'll, they'll kind of like introduce kind of like um, a lot of kind of like bad new metal and, and kind of bad R&B or maybe just doesn't fit or something. But anyway. in fairness, Mission Impossible 2 had one of the greatest opening sequences of all time. Like that climb to I Disappear, that's high art in my opinion. Now I am, I, I feel like I'm just going to be the 250s resident trash lady. That anytime you have anything that needs like, <laughs> if you need anything that is the worst of the worst that needs defending, I'm probably going to be brought in. But uh, yeah, I just think that whole era is just high art and it needs a renaissance in my opinion well just... yeah the, the, you, you, you still there, there, there is still the um, um, yourself 
and Guy Fieri <laughs> kind of flying the flag for the early noughties. Just the, the new metal renaissance is all yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we have a second guest as well joining us who has very politely uh, refrained from kind of speaking uh, while we've been waiting to do so. Apologies about taking so long. Uh, the wonderful Niall Glynn, who, you know, if Billy considers herself our trash queen, Niall with his double bill earlier this year of uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation and Mac and Me, Niall is our trash king. Thank you so much, Niall, for taking the time to come on and talk to us about Catwoman. Oh, thank you so much. I remember when we did those last two, around that time, I think you did an episode on a Bergman film. And I was like, oh, that'd be nice. And earlier today, <laughs> earlier today I saw a tweet, you're doing an Indiana Jones season. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me on to Catwoman. No, yeah, we, 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 um, like, by, Podcasts are. But hold, hold, because, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, just to, I feel the need to back up and push against this. I remember when we literally, when we had you and Richard on, I, I opened up an actual like chat with you and Richard, and I said, "What do you guys want to co-? like? We, you guys are great together. What would you like to cover? You can cover any movie on the top two fifty or bottom one hundred. Richard said, "Look, I'm easy. I, I just, I just want to come on and talk about movies." And Niall said, "I have some ideas." Don't put this on me, Niall. You don't get to put this on uh, me. This is like Rashomon now. We've all got our stories. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd say both are probably true. We do like to pigeonhole yeah. people. We we do. We do, unfortunately, pigeonhole people. But um, the reason why Dude, I reached out to Niall... You'll get a reward for doing these three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll get invited on to the next Bergman season. But I did I did ask, actually, the reason why I asked Niall on um, is because... I noticed Letterboxd is fantastic for this because you can go to Letterboxd and you can see who among your friends has watched a particular movie. And so if it comes, hey, they might have an opinion or a take on this. And you, I believe, watched Catwoman for the first time last year, Niall. That is correct. That was um, a day I associate with one of the lowest points during the initial lockdown. So it's kind of fun to come back almost a, a year later, maybe. Yeah. Can I ask, like, what was okay? Well, well, like, Billy's mentioned she's seen the movie quite a few times. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, Niall, what was it that like drew you to Catwoman last year? Like, what was it? You were sitting down in lockdown. You were like, you know what I need right now? I can watch any movie in the world on streaming. Catwoman. That's it. That's what I'm gonna do. What was it? I think it was one of those things. Like, I went on to Amazon Prime, and it was for some reason on the front page. Mr. Bezos is very proud of this <laughs> acquisition. Or I don't know what you'd call it. And I, I just realized, because, you know, I've seen all the Batman films over the years. I do like Catwoman as a character. I was like, why have I never seen the Halle Berry Catwoman movie? Because I feel like if it wasn't saying maybe I was a teenage boy and you look at the cover, it's like, oh, I got to watch that. But I was just so late to the party. I was with a friend. I was like, I think it's time to watch Catwoman. And surprisingly, he's still my friend. <laughs> in fairness though it's a good movie that if you have friends over I think it's one of those films yeah. that if you have a group of friends and maybe a couple of beers that it's just such a laugh and a riot like that mm. has to be a subgenre again another one we have to coin another one in and of itself <laughs> but Billy so you mentioned you, you've you seen Catwoman quite a few times you mentioned you could almost quote it by heart yeah. do you remember the first time you saw it and kind of did you see it when it first released or did you catch it on DVD um, was, it in, was it in the shop that you worked in yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. It was there, and I got it there, but it that was previous to it. Um. So, like, I think initially it all kind of began that um, my like love affair with comics and stuff came from my dad. Uh, he had a collection of old Spawn and Judge Dredd that he used to keep in his closet. 
and they were obviously ultra violent and really graphic and I was obsessed as a kid and I used to sneak in and read them the whole time so then that was kind of my gateway to like Marvel and DC stuff so from when I was really really young that I was just obsessed particularly with kind of obviously the early noughties um comic book adaptations obviously you've got like Spider-Man I loved uh, Spawn, Blade, X-Men all of them so it was just kind of natural that anytime one would come out that I would regardless I would support it in any capacity so I really liked Halle Berry because of X-Men and when Catwoman came out I was really excited like I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be faithful I didn't realize how unfaithful <laughs> but I didn't care and I can't I, I, I think I was too young to see it in the cinema per se like not that I just I don't I don't think I just wasn't I wasn't bothered going to the cinema but um I'm pretty sure I got it when it came out initially I probably rented it from the shop before I worked there and me and my brother watched it and he's about three or four young, years younger than me and the pair and he was in love with Cali Berry so he was super excited to watch it <laughs> and then by the, by the end of it we were just staring at each other going like what like what did we watch what was that do you want to watch it again <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it just evolved and it became a thing that anytime it was on TV I'd stop and I'd watch it and then I think I mentioned to Darren when we were talking about doing this episode that I had the PS2 game of it as well and I've played it I'd say about three or four times and I could not tell you a thing about it I've played it through fully about three or four times and I cannot remember how it goes or what happens in it at all I remember tie-in movie video games. Like, there was a place... I remember being a teenager renting... Like, when my family were on holidays in, like, Spain, they had a PlayStation or a PlayStation 2, and they had, like, the X-Men and X-Men Last Stand tie-in games. And I remember playing them all to 100% completion, but I, I cannot remember yep. anything in particular about them. My favourite uh, tie-in game was the Underworld one. Did you ever play the Underworld one? Did not. Uh, you could literally kick people's heads off. You could kick Gross. their heads off. You couldn't bite them, but you could kick their heads off. <laughs> Seems like they understood the assignment of there, I think, very much. It's like very yeah. much in the aesthetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And, and Andrew, just kind of before we jump into, because like Billy did kind of hint there, like when you watch Catwoman, there are a lot of questions like, that occur to you. Like, how did this happen? What did we do as a culture to deserve this? How Why? did we get here? Yeah. And we'll get into that in a moment. But Andrew, was this your first time watching Catwoman? I actually had very little um, questions kind of this morning, kind of like towards the podcast. Then I realized part of what we do here is we don't just talk about the movies. We we watch them first. <laughs> I was like, oh, I haven't watched this. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was just kind of said to Darren, excellent. Yeah, Catwoman Saturday. Perfect. And then I woke up and was kind of like planning my day and stuff. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> It's a good you thing just find it's... to talk about Catwoman as a concept. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's like an hour and forty-five minutes. It's like, um, well, I, I, like I, 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 um, they, uh, uh, mercifully, I, I, I don't talk that much on the podcast, so I could probably get away with it once or twice with not <laughs> watching by. the movie at all. It's like Darren is like, anything else you want to talk about or about the movie before we wrap up? It's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think I've covered most of the I've hit most of yeah. the bases I want to talk about. There is a woman, yeah. she is involved with cats. So so the, I have the, now seen this. Okay, that yeah. was the follow up question. I do like that now or now audiences listening, they're on the edge of their seats when I get to Do you remember the first time you yeah, watched we, the movie? And the answer could we be had never. To pause. I, there was an edit break there where I just watched the entire thing. <laughs> Sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. So um 
before we then jump into like just just kind of reactions to it and kind of the three questions it is like just a brief introduction to Catwoman in terms of understanding what the movie is and how it came to be in the parlance of kind of Stan Lee because this is a very odd movie it arrives so in cinemas in 2004 it is the year before uh Nolan reinvents Batman with Batman Begins it is at this stage 4 years away from the launch of the MCU with Iron Man comic book movies are about to change dramatically you could argue that they're in the process of changing i think billy alluded to spider-man and the x-men movies you know uh, that were coming out at the same time reinventing what comic books were and catwoman really feels like a last gasp of a certain kind of comic book movie i think chronologically speaking it is the latest uh comic book movie oh, sorry it is the latest comic book movie on the bottom 100 as in it is the most recent comic book movie to make the bottom 100, because after this, comic book movies become a bit more mainstream, a bit more acceptable, a bit more geek-friendly. This, on the very other hand... Very geek-friendly. Very geek-friendly. This is, is, I would argue... To the point where, like, wh whether a movie is good or not, so long as it doesn't feature, like, um, uh, people of colour or women, it's going to yeah, do it's, very well. It will probably make um, the 250, the top 250 movies of all time. Yeah, sorry, I mean, on, yeah. I mean on IMDb. Obviously, yeah. Black, Panther, Black Panther did tremendously well. I think Captain Marvel did as well. Yeah, they both made over a billion dollars, but people... they're the two Marvel movies that did not make the top 250 for reasons... Right. I cannot imagine what they would possibly be that those two movies in particular would not make the top 250. But that's it's a separate... Larson's fault. Yeah, clearly. She knows what um... she did. <laughs> yeah, she stole that guy's bike. <laughs> <laughs> but a quick one just before we dump into it, because it was something I was actually looking at yesterday after watching the movie that I, I've kind of noticed that, that I think is really fascinating with a lot of the comic book movies. But whenever I do any kind of, just so you know, like when you're watching a movie like this, there's 20 million rabbit holes that you can go down as to the how, the why, the why, why, <laughs> like, and one thing I've noticed, particularly with a lot of, um like, uh, comic book movies, especially, that, like, some of the weirdest characters had, like, potential films in development. Like, obviously, like, you've got the, kind of, the tentpole, like, prime heroes and villains. Like, you've got, like, Batman, you've got Spider-Man, you've got this, you've got that. All the main kind of stays. Superman movies, yeah, 100%. But then I think it was... I was looking into something to do with Suicide Squad because I went to go see it last <laughs> weekend. And, like, some of the weirdest characters had, like, potential movies in development, particularly in kind of the late 90s. Like, and, like, the likes of Catwoman. Like, Birds of Prey movies been developed before there was even you know, like a Catwoman movie or a, like a Harley Quinn movie, like some of the weirdest IPs, like, has anyone else noticed that or am I just a bit of big well, weirdo yeah, like, like down like the rabbit the hole? The Shaquille O'Neal one, the... Steel. Steel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, sort of I imagine they had a whole raft of those sorts of movies. Um, yeah. 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 Well, a lot of it was right. So a lot of it was just which companies were able to get which titles yeah. uh, affordably. Like, I mean, I would argue that that is still happening today. It's just because, like, Disney own Marvel. They have most of the Marvel characters there. Because they own Fox, they now have the X-Men characters there. Because DC and Time Warner, sorry, Time Warner own DC or whatever. All those characters are siloed there. But, like, when you were farming rights out, you'd end up with really odd collections where companies so would, weird. like... Yeah, they were like because there was a gold rush on. So like, yeah. you know, all the good ones like Spider-Man and the X-Men, they got snapped up very quickly because they were the first like, we want these characters. We know they're worth yeah. money. And then it's like, how do we make a movie with them? Let's take 20 years to figure it out. Well, I don't wasn't know. It, wasn't it Marvel were going bankrupt? Yeah. So they and sold so off all the movie sale. rights really yeah. quickly yeah. and just made a whole mess of it. Because I think yeah. the, mo 
the Mobius film has been in like developmental yes. hell since the nineties, hasn't it? That was a that was the the next thing I was yeah. going to go to. Is, is it the still thing looks that, like, like yeah. to me? Yeah. <laughs> but... yeah. Like if you want to look at like what the modern equivalent of this stuff is, you need to look at like these. And I believe it has an official title because these all have official titles. The Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters or Spunk. Monk, that's spunk. It's definitely spunk. Which, which is basically all like Sony have owned Spider-Man and have decided they are going to franchise the the hell out of him. So obviously you have like own Venom. No, Venom is a Spider-Man character, so that's why Venom has his own movie and his own sequel. Morbius is it. But that was also Sony. That was also Sony. Yeah, he's he's part of the spunk. Um. But then, and also part of the spunk is um, Morbius. Craven the Hunter has his own upcoming movie directed by J.C. Chandor, the director of Margin Call and All is Lost. Um, there's also plans for a Silk movie. Um, there's plans for a Jackpot movie, a Nightwatch movie, a Madam Web movie, a Sinister Six movie, a potential Mysterio spinoff starring Jake Gyllenhaal, um, a television show that's going to be based around uh, the Silver Sable uh, and the Black Cat. Like, th- this still exists today, but because media is generally consolidated, like, it's it's the exception rather than the rule. But yeah, there was a gold rush of any character that is viable, we are going to build a franchise around them. Should it put it like Tom Cruise in a Turn Off the Dark of, um, <laughs> Spider-Man uh, musical adaptation where it's like this is these are the these are the six injuries he received. <laughs> like, <laughs> when, making this. Yeah, yeah. Um but like yeah, so and and Billy kind of has a point there in terms of like Catwoman getting her own movie in two thousand and four, which is an oddity, because obviously by that stage, like Batman and Robin had killed Batman as a cinematic franchise. They had decided to rest it. Catwoman, the movie had been in development since the nineties. Um it had been based off Batman Returns there had been suggestions that they wanted to bring back Michelle Pfeiffer uh, and give her her own spinoff. In fact, that's why Michelle Pfeiffer didn't return for Batman Forever. Um, however, the movie went through development hell. Daniel Waters, uh, the scriptwriter who worked on Batman Returns, turned in his own screenplay for Catwoman. Uh, unfortunately, it arrived the day that Batman Forever opened, at which point that basically killed Warner's enthusiasm for it completely because they're like, no, we don't want anything Batman Returns related. Uh, we want something Batman Forever. That would have been um, Water's original plan was um, Catwoman wakes up with amnesia, doesn't remember why she has all these bullet holes, and so goes to relax in a town called Oasisburg. What well, Gotham it's City like is primal to... fear, <laughs> and then she's defended by <laughs> Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, primal fur, primal fur. <laughs> oh, I like fur. it. Nice. Yeah, but Oasisburg is kind of like the Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Palm Springs area. It's a resort in the middle of the desert, but it's about superheroes and it's like taking down the whole male superhero mythos. Um, All these superheroes end up being not very good. So she has to go back to being Catwoman. And you had this idea where, you know, like Michelle Pfeiffer was was temporarily interested. Tim Burton was considering directing it for a brief time before he got distracted by, I think it was The House of Usher and then it was Superman Lives. Those classic Tim Burton movies, which were definitely released in the mid 90s and you can't prove otherwise. Um, But like Warner Brothers just kept coming back to it. And I do kind of love like writer, 14 credited writers worked on this movie over time. And I'll, I'll give all their names in a moment. But like John August, who pitched the project in 1998. That's what um, Halle Berry said in her Razzie's speech. She was like, I want to thank the writers, like all 20 of them. Oh, yes, pretty much. Um, yeah. But like John August. So scathing. 
Oh, and just <laughs> like, like one might argue, deservedly so. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, they like took a moment to kind of um, acknowledge the honor of this achievement, but it's like, but I have so many people to thank. This so, so yeah, yeah. I couldn't have have, have done, done so it bad if it wasn't for the following people. Like I want to list by name. She took it like a champ. She but she did. A... She showed up holding her Oscar, which yeah. I kind of love. Took it like a total champ. And the se- only the second person to show up to receive her Razzie after Tom Green for Freddie Got Fingered. So this, you know, so she she's the first actress to turn up, uh, which is quite nice. People as well. have done it since. I, yeah, I think yeah. she kind of plays the trail. Did Sandra Bullock? Uh, Sandra Bullock did it in the same year she won her Oscar, which is remarkable. I think she's the only actor who has done that. But Hale Berry was the first Oscar winner to show up to collect her Razzie. So she kind of blazed a trail. Maybe After not the Tom trail. Tom Green, who's also an Oscar winner. I, Tom Green is. An, <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about it much, but yeah, we, Tom Green, Oscar winner. But like, yeah, so you have like John August, who's talking about like in 1998, he was pitching it at Warner's. Um, after his pitch, the executive insisted that it needed to be Sarah Michelle Gellar to involve a hair washing scene and then showed me the Matrix trailer. Um, which pretty much tells you everything that you want to go. John John Rogers was then brought in. Uh, he was like, no, I, I want her to be a cool thief. And it was like, no, 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 no. She's going to be a magic cat woman resurrected by cat people. Um, Benjamin Bratt's going to be in it. And it's also going to be about dreamy. beauty products. Yeah, he, he is dreamy. It's it's Here's also going to be about bag of beauty. money. People <laughs> go Google Gaga for, for Benjamin Bratt. Let's yeah. put that in a movie. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't want we don't want this cat power. We don't want this like cool thief thing. Benjamin Bratt, that's where it's at. I think they were going to name it Bratwoman originally, <laughs> but they had a DC license they had to use. Yeah, um, like it should also be noted that like one of the issues that may have helped push the film finally into production in two thousand and four was not anything related to superheroes, but a huge explosion of cat themed movies. So, for example, you had the Cat in the Hat released in two thousand and three. You had Garfield, the movie, coming to cinemas in 2004. You had Puss, into this. Puss in Boots and Shrek 2. Like, I'm just saying it was the perfect moment uh, for these movies to be released. I'm really sad Tom Hooper missed his mark there. <laughs> yeah. That he, should have been his time. Yeah, he arrived, unfortunately, a good 15 years behind the trend. Um, but yeah, so, so that's basically how that happened. Um, Warner Brothers have been trying to make it for, at that stage, over a decade. And eventually, Hale Berry uh, signed on. Because she had, obviously, she'd won her Oscar for Monster's Ball. I believe she's the only African-American to have won the Best Actress Oscar. Um, She's the only African person of color, I think, to have won, or at least she was the first person of color to win that award. Um, She tried to leverage it uh, into making herself a star. Um, She did, obviously, Die Another Day, uh, which the last year's Rosalind Bond movie. There was talk of a Jinx spinoff, but that never uh, quite materialized. So she said, I would, fine, I'm going to pick, I'm, Based on the success of the X-Men movies, I want my own superhero franchise. So she said, yeah, I will do Catwoman. Um, And in fact, she got paid $14 million uh, to make Catwoman. Um, And there's a wonderful quote from her uh, about it where she's uh, trying to see if I can dig this up now. But basically uh, where she says, look, a lot of people regret Catwoman. A lot of people think Catwoman is the worst movie ever made. But I got paid $14 million for it. So I'm pretty okay with how it worked out for me. Um, which is which is interesting. But yeah, so that is basically how we ended up with the movie that we have today. Warner Brothers having no idea what it was. Hailberry saying, I want to make a superhero movie. And Warner Brothers saying, yeah, fine, make it happen. The movie was a disaster um, in terms of production and test screening. The 14 writers we mentioned worked on it. The test screening was so awful that it was it went back to reshoots, apparently one month away from release. 
which is um, not how you make a movie, generally speaking. And you can probably did with cats. Well, cats apparently they were. I don't know if they reworked it, but they were working on the special effects up until the morning. They should have brought in Pinoff. That's that's what his uh, kind of background is. It wasn't really. He he had directed like one movie before this, and kind of hasn't been allowed to direct very many movies. Yes, uh, I like I like the way working, that you framed though. that. Mostly like like, like color correction, <laughs> kind <laughs> of um, yeah, yeah. Pitoff is um a special worked primarily as a special effects uh, supervisor. Um, he particularly worked with um Jean Pierre like Jeunet. Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 the uh, like Alien Resurrection. And... Yes, he assistant directed a scene on on Alien. He did second unit work on Alien Resurrection, which is apparently his springboard. So he did Vidoc which was a period piece supernatural thriller starring Gerard Depardieu. Uh, he did Catwoman. And his third and final uh, credit as director was the TV movie Fire and Ice, uh, which was a sci-fi channel movie, where the which was filmed entirely and computer effects specially rendered in Romania. Oh, like... Like, like, um, like Blood Rain. Like Blood Rain, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that, that is the career path of, of Pitoff, the, the director. Was Steven of- Seagal in it? <laughs> I, I I don't know whether the movie was out of his league or he was out of its league. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is that is the that is how we ended up with the movie that we ended up with. All right, so three questions to get us started before we jump into the spoiler zone. Um, so Niall, I'm going to ask you to go first. Do you think that Catwoman belongs on a list of the 100 worst movies ever made? Hmm. I think I was quite soft last time I was on because I quite enjoyed both of the movies mac and me and mortal Kombat. this one i get it i think you called mac and me a classic i think mac and me is a classic and if we're comparing to this it's it's citizen kane but um yeah no this is this is bad in a really unique way though like this movie makes me feel a little ill watching it the thing about the motion of it and how it's cut and it's just so baffling just because catwoman's a pretty well-known character you know and I get the Tim Burton one is probably after the the sixty show the most famous one, so I get the Cat Powers Resurrection stuff, but everything else, I'm just like, I have a note here. It's like, is this movie set in Gotham, or is this meant to be New York? Does it ever said, or is it just no unnamed? It's city? an it's anonymous city. Yeah, well, they 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 have the old kind of um, cosmetics plant. Yeah, um, but they they've renamed us. <laughs> And they promise they'll never do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I, I'm firmly bottom 100 for this. It's probably bottom 100 films I've seen. I, I hated it the first time I watched it. When I watched it this morning, actually, a few things I kind of liked about it. Okay. Like, there's a. I. I lose interest as it goes along, which I can tell because my notes peter off. <laughs> <laughs> But um, at the start, actually, I like this movie a lot more before she becomes Catwoman. When she's just <laughs> patience. You have more just, patience yeah. for patience. I have a lot and more. You're fawning over Benjamin Bratt. Fawning <laughs> over Benjamin Bratt. I like the office dynamic of um, perhaps... You like the for, Brat Pack. The Brat Pack. For over a decade, maybe, in this superhero genre, they might be the first like clearly gay character that I can recall. He has like two lines. My oh, favorite let's say he line doesn't have movie. a name though. Like he... no name, but he is my favorite line. Hey, man, sandwich, twelve o'clock, and I think that did a lot for representation. <laughs> I was expecting in three men or like two women with a man in between. 
Cartoon's big slice of bread with a man in between. I I, I presume his scenes got cut. That show is like cannibal backstory. (laughs) I presume he's a Catwoman villain as well. Yeah. I kind of like and hate her annoying friend who seems. Oh, Alex Borstein. Yeah. Who like... is the only actor who seems proud of her work in this movie. She she genuinely, like, she'll pop up on Hale Berry's Instagram and just be like, hey, remember when we worked on Catwoman together? It seems like she wanted to get her own sitcom out of this, you know? It's it's so weird. She gets her own little arc, not to spoil it, yeah. She already has Family Guy, right? Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Did, that's the did... voice of uh, Lois on Family Guy. Really? Okay, yeah. I I didn't pick that up at all. No, in fairness, I think she has the best line in the movie with the the rhyming. When uh, she's rhymes, Tom Lone, Bone, oh, rhymes yeah. with scone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the fact that she was able to deliver that stone-faced and go for it, I was like, you deserve the Oscar, Lois Griffin. Not Halle Berry, it was you. <laughs> I wonder, was that a reshoot? Pete Hoff looked at the cut and was like, do you know what's missing? Rhyme. Rhyming, yes. <laughs> but then that being said, like, you know, Benjamin Bratt just has that way of putting people in a bit of a tailspin. So it was actually quite realistic in a way. Like... <laughs> Particularly for of the time. Smile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you could see them all kind of staring at him. And that office scene is cut so weird. And it always just goes back to him like beaming. And I'm like, I can dig it. I can understand why she like totally bottled it and like couldn't speak <laughs> and made a show of herself. <laughs> Fun fact, this movie involves the collaboration of Benjamin Bratt and obviously Sharon Stone. Um, a couple of years before this, Sharon Stone had vetoed the casting of Benjamin Bratt in um, The Basic Instinct 2 which is interesting. One of the reasons why it took so long to make Basic Instinct 2. And they eventually went with uh, David Morris. David Toulis. But yeah, that's that's a <laughs> very different movie. Um, yeah. But yes. Well, he's um, in that, isn't he? Basic Instinct 2. He is, but he's Toulis. not the... Yeah. yeah, but I don't think he's in the Benjamin Bratt role. I don't, I don't think it was like... No, you know maybe, what this movie maybe, needs maybe instead of Benjamin Bratt? Maybe he was originally Bratt. a really handsome, like, uh, Benjamin Bratt type. <laughs> and she, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw a curveball at us. Uh, but Billy, what about yourself? Do you think Catwoman is one of the worst 100 movies ever made? I don't know. See, I, I'm just the worst person to have on. Like, I like, I will find the good in everything. And objectively speaking, like, for, like, the rest of the film community, I would say yes by a thin margin. For me, No. Because again, I've watched it about 1,700 million times and that is not an exaggeration, unfortunately. Um, there's a lot, like I think the problem is that it doesn't know what it wants to be at all. There's a lot of hugely, glaringly obvious kind of technical issues and stuff, which I think would put it in that category. It would have to, like, it's just, it's too, they're kind of, they're too, um, they're too glaringly obvious to not. But, um, so, yes, but personally, no. <laughs> That's good because you, you've 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 answered the first two questions. Now. Oh, and so I jumped the gun. So is Niall no, as well. No. To be fair, um, <laughs> no. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll did, follow. Like a, okay, or he teased. He teased. But anyway, Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think that this is one of the worst one hundred movies ever made? Um. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, 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 and and it kind of represents that that um, kind of um, bad kind of um, uh, 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 Nazis kind of um, for aesthetic like music or mood and, or ambience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and even like kind of like fashion and stuff um, yeah, and editing and like even even the style and mood of the thing is yeah. like it's obnoxiously of its era. Like the 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 the, the time lapse. There's a sexy like basketball scene that we're going to talk about later. Oh yes, it's, it's yeah. like in Daredevil with the um, also yeah. kind of like in a sort of like a playground um, uh, uh, situation, and like kind of fancy dolly shots, like where it's like, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. where where it's. <laughs> Or transitions from CGI to live action that are meant to look impressive. Like, yeah. the camera doing, like, the David Fincher thing of, like, look, there's no way this place or shot could really exist, but we're going to close on a real shot. That sort of That's, thing. It, like, yeah, you mentioned thing, the time lapse stuff in the office. Because, it, yeah, like, David Fincher is kind of, like, with Fight Club kind of doing kind of inventive stuff. And you could argue maybe that Jonay, um is doing it with... Um, um, I guess like Amelie and kind of some of his other kind of uh, 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 later stuff that's not as celebrated. I, I, I guess I guess I'm only talking about Micmacs, but but yeah, but when people people are doing kind of like trying to be um, very kind of um, fancy in their kind of like camera work and editing and special effects and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's um like 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 with Mortal Kombat, um, Annihilation, but not as bad as that. You can see that like like there's a lot of money in this movie. And Benjamin um, Bratt's wife actually was um I think she was Katana, in Annihilation. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So it all comes full circle, guys. Yeah. It all comes full circle. Well, I mean, but, like you know that one of the henchmen in this movie was Royu from Street Fighter. I know yeah. that Street Fighter is technically a different movie, but yeah, Brian uh, Mann plays Wesley, who has like a total of three lines. And I was like, I know that guy, and it's like, oh, it's Royu from 1994 Street Fighter. Yeah, oh, I think I think he's like the kind of the late 90s, early noughties quintessential bad guy. That he was just in every movie as like the muscle, as the you know, yeah. But it all comes full circle. What's it, Six Degrees Kevin Bacon? Yeah. 100%. It's all Brat, apparently. Brat is yeah. where it's at on this podcast. Um, oh, be- yeah, because this podcast also needs more rhyming, apparently. Um, and for myself, uh, I don't know. Probably it is very much a time capsule, a snapshot of a moment in time and yeah. all the worst excesses of that moment in time. And like a real sense of... You know, we've moved, we've grown as a culture. We no longer do things like this. We've realized that this is not how you make movies, uh, which I guess is good. Um, but it also, at the same time, feels so weird and odd that part of me is like, I kind of, like, this is refreshingly bad as opposed to just being generic or boring, you know? It's interesting, actually, that, that like, when, say, for example, in uh, Deadpool, they put in like a whole load of what do you call that style of music? Oh, it always escapes me. The um ah, it's um the, the, the like um what's his name um uh, Skrillex. Uh, Dubstep. Dubstep. EDM. Dubstep. Yeah. Yeah. Dubstep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they they um they like I don't think people making movies now would 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 think to do that. It's like let's let's put in something very now. That like all the 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 the, the kind of kids are that will are, immediately date this movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, like, Sony. I'm thinking of like the Sony hack where like they they were discussing like plans for the Amazing Spider-Man, and like some of the Sony execs were emailing back and going, "Could he be into EDM? What if he's a DJ? Can he skateboard? Um, all these things the kids are into. Yeah, this very much feels like kind of one of those. 
kind of things yeah. where it's like yeah but 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 that they know kind of like these that to, to, to put that stuff in kind of like um ironically or semi-ironically yeah like where you can have it in the movie but you're also kind of like pointing at it and saying like oh isn't yeah. this isn't this mad Whereas this plays it like rather straight and like the the opening sequence, which again we'll talk about when we get to the sport zone, but like it has like an R and B sexy vocal section to it, which is very disconcerting, but like it's undeniably of the time, um, like kind of thing going on. You're like, okay, this is this this is an odd choice to make for a montage of the history of cats, but yeah, sure, yeah, I, I can did, feel did it. Did you work on the music for this film? That was exactly was that what I was, that, that was. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that that was left on the cutting room floor. I'm afraid. I felt like I was there. Yeah. Yeah, it just took you back. Um, all right then. And Niall, is this one of the worst 100 movies you have ever seen? Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> you did um... say like your letterbox review, which is the reason why I asked you on, was like, yeah, I think this might be the worst movie I have ever seen. The last, the last, the first time I watched it, I really hated it. This time, I actually didn't. Okay. If that makes sense. Now it's it's kind of a fond dislike, like Stockholm syndrome sort of thing. A little bit of Stockholm syndrome because I did make a in honor of the man himself. I made a Batman like vow when I first watched <laughs> it not to watch it again. And then I got I was on holiday in Scotland and I got a message from Darren. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the Never bat finds. signal went up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I immediately went home. I was meant to and be there another week, but I was like, no, nope, got to record Catwoman. Yeah, got to watch it, have a week to digest it, and then watch it again. Uh, no, now I was sitting in his apartment, the, the giant, like, cat-themed spotlight rotated. Sean lights directly into the living room where was he was sitting. It just a laser pointer. Just yeah. a laser pointer came in through the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll give it... try to catch us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll give it this. I think, like, I agree with you, Billy, uh, that it's a really fun movie to watch with friends. But I think for my first watch... Because I was with someone, I wasn't paying as much attention. I'm not saying it's good, but I kind of, I was interested in the Sharon Stone stuff. Yeah. But that's kind of a really interesting thing for a movie like this to tackle. Oh, yeah. She even, she even has the lines like, oh, when a woman gets to 40, like, the career's over. And I was like, is, I wonder, is, like, Sharon Stone kind of selling this and maybe even her own experiences as an actress, you know? Yes, she's so she great. is. I love Sharon Stone. Yes, she is. That that line was specifically added with the the in consultation with the producer, I think Denise Denovia, who yeah. you may know as the producer of both versions of Little Women. Um, so there's your two fifty oh. connection. Yep, that's that's Denovia's um, Cat official women, Little Women. Yep, that that's her kind of filmography. She specializes Cat Women and Little Women. Uh, but yeah, that was that was something that Stone added well, to script very consciously. She actually has some really great lines. <laughs> I just like cop that now. I was like, wait, what? But Sharon Stone actually building on Niall's point, like has some really great lines about stuff like that. Because there's one, I think there's one bit uh, near the end sequence. Like obviously we're not in spoilers on yet, not to give too much away. But she's kind of like talking about like you know the inequality of men and women and stuff. And I was like, I was watching it last night, and I was like, oh Jesus, I don't remember any like. I remember, like, being quite sympathetic in ways to her character. But I was kind of shocked at, like, you know, you have Halle Berry, like, meowing at people and hissing and spitting. And then you've got Sharon Stone, like, delivering these absolute bangers lines. And I was going, this movie is, like, there's so much of it that could have been so brilliant. If uh, And uh, that was actually a thought that I had, kind of, um, you know, the way particularly with the, I, th I th again, going back to Blood Rain, I think we might discuss this on Blood Rain. But like the you know the the spate of um, Hellraiser direct to DVD kind of films and stuff yeah. that came out in kind of the late nineties early noughties and a lot of those movies were just 
other movies that like Miramax or whatever bought and went, oh, we're just going to throw like a lament configuration in the corner and we're going to put Pinhead in at the end. It's a Hellraiser movie now. Like, and I think I get the impression that Catwoman could have been something else. Like the idea of like maybe an actual Catwoman. But then they were like, oh, let's just tack on like the whole mm. DC Catwoman element just because it'll help sell or whatever. Now, that probably isn't the case, but that's almost what it felt like. But if they'd kind of, if they deviated away from the whole, I know, I know obviously it's not Selena Kyle, but the whole Selena Kyle Catwoman-esque DC stuff to something else entirely. It could have been actually, if, and kept away from the campiness or leaned totally into the campiness. It could have been really, really good. Yeah, they, I mean, I mean, it 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 may be there. There is a slightly higher rating for women, on 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 on, on this movie, kind of. So it 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 might be that parts of it kind of struck a chord, um, and that it also angered loads of men. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, like it it like it it has got something of kind of a I don't want to call it a strong cult following. Uh, but I mean, you have seen a lot of discussion around it. Things like I think Vulture had it as one of their Friday night movie nights last year. Um, still processing, which is the uh, Wesley Morris um, kind of like New York Times po- culture podcast, did a special episode covering it as well. You had things like, um, and I quite like this, you had things like Hale Berry going to um, the GLAAD Awards. Um, and saying that maybe Catwoman deserves another chance to the cheers and kind of hollers of the crowd as she was speaking, to which she replied, yeah, I kind of I kind of figured it would get that kind of response in this room. Um, but yeah, I think that there is an argument that like a certain amount of this has been reclaimed as kind of like a camp um, classic or as, as a movie kind of grappling with more stuff than I think it got credit for um, at the time. Actually, Billy, what, did we ask would it be on your own bottom one hundred? I know you. Oh, of, yeah. you were talking there. I sorry, it. I just I'm like riddled no, with ADHD, no. so I just deviate the whole time. I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't think I actually asked. I think we kind of segued from Nile to you. The problem this is the problem with the structure, but with with yourself, like, would it be on your own bottom one hundred? Would it be on your top two fifty? See, the problem is that my bottom one hundred and my top two fifty are kind of much of a muchness. Like, if I um, if I ever I'm in bad form or I need to pick me up, like, I will automatically i will go to on the underworld movies and i will do a marathon i will regularly marathon the resident evil movies so like i'm just i don't know like because it's technically yes but because of the flawed individual that i am as a person it's kind of one and the same and like even yesterday i was kind of not that i was in bad form but like you know a couple of like awkward like stupid things happened during the week that had me kind of annoyed and they were kind of like just you know uh, on my mind. And then when I was watching Catwoman, it just like disappeared like a tonic because I was so confused and I was so <laughs> baffled. And particularly when we got to the basketball scene, I just was like, <laughs> I just this is like this is the cure. This is the tonic that I needed. <laughs> so like it's just it's one of those things that like so like technically yes, because it is there's so much there's so much technically wrong with it. But I just think it's. It's one of those films that if you can convince a couple of your mates to come over for a pizza, and particularly I think it's one of those kind of films that would double bill really nicely with something like Showgirls. Like if you hate your friends, like the way I hate my friends. I love them, but I hate them. I'll go, hey, who wants to watch, you know, uh, Ghost of Mars and Doom? And they'll be like, oh, cool. Never seen them before. And I'm like, sit down (laughs) sit down we're not going to be talking after this but you know i know what i'm getting myself into 
I'm a big defender of showgirls, and not just for the obvious reasons. I also think <laughs> it, it, it's like kind of like a demonstration of kind of like how um, uh, Hollywood or kind of like producers yes, treat um, uh, uh, women, uh, women yeah. and oh, how yeah. horrible they are. Oh Which yeah. I guess you 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 have kind of shades of that in kind of some of Sharon Stone's kind of like discussion of, but it, but it, it, showgirls is more about. Well, it's about it. it, it, it it's kind of it, it, there's a, like exploitation of women of all ages, but there. Um, so you get to see both, kind of. But yeah, I'm a, a big defender of that movie. And I imagine the fan bases are quite similar as well. Like I yeah. imagine, like it's been similarly reclaimed in a kind of in the same sort of way. I'd argue, like Show Showgirls is probably benefited from a much greater reclamation than Catwoman. I think, but you know, and it's a Paul Verhoeven movie. Director yes. of Robocop, obligatory Robocop reference. <laughs> yes, I appreciate you appreciate getting us there. I was just going to say that um, there's a really good documentary on Showgirls called uh, You Don't Know Me. And um, it's actually really good about like um, the making of Showgirls and how it's been reclaimed and stuff. Um, I think it only came out there recently enough. Um, but again, it's a, really, it's a really interesting kind of take on the whole phenomenon, how it went from being like, it, like is it? Elizabeth Berkeley, isn't it? That's yeah, it. yeah, from yeah. Saved like, by the Bell yeah, and uh, lots of yeah, places. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like that, like destroyed her career, kind of in yes. a similar way to like Lisa Bonet and like Angel Heart, like totally just wrecked her. And now it's like this, like you know, God knows, like twenty, thirty-ish years later, it's like suddenly everyone loves it again. I say she like, I'd say she's partially delighted, but I'd say she's sickened as well. Going oh. Where was love yeah, that? She she goes along to some of the screenings and things and like she's very aware of like the things that people find like ridiculous or funny about us. Um But at the same time I think the thing was she it was a very earnest performance from her and I think she was expecting it to be a different yeah. thing than it ended up being, if that makes sense. Um which yeah, I can kind of understand. And again, like it, it's interesting the context of this because you could argue like Hail Berry ends up being somewhat overshadowed by this. Like, I mean, there's a feature in the LA Times in October 2007 saying a career so strong it survived Catwoman is the headline of this profile from 2007. Um, you have things like uh, Berry apparently taking a pay cut on X-Men 3 The Last Stand based on the box office performance of Catwoman. You argue along with movies like, say, Gothica, which I think came out uh, around the same time, basically abolishing Barry as a kind of a leading woman in her own right. And I mean, you arguably even have the, the argument that this movie, along with, I think, Electra, whether the following year or the year after that, that those became the kind of like ambles that you hang around the neck of female and minority led superhero movies. So like when Patty Jenkins was doing press for Wonder Woman, she kept getting questions like, well, why, why did it take so long to make a Wonder Woman movie? Like, I mean, Batman has made 20 movies in the time it took you to make a Wonder Woman movie. And her response has been, yeah, but when you go into a room with the executives and you say, I want to make a comic book guy there. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. It's basically like, Literally comic book guy making the point that, yeah, I saw Catwoman, d- didn't perform. Worst made, movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Made $40 million on a $100 million budget. And then I saw Electra the year afterwards, and that's it. No no female-led, no minority-led movies. But on the flip side, you've got the likes of Resident Evil that are like so widely panned. But they're somewhat like, they're like a billion-dollar yeah, franchise. franchise. Huge, like... Oh yeah, no. That that's the thing. It's like the, it's, it's that wild. myth that you have. It's the myth that you have about like African American centric movies don't travel. And you look at like yeah. movies that have performed really well in China with like minority leads, and it's like, well, no, that's not entirely true. 
Sorry. You would never conclude that like male led or like white yeah. movies <laughs> don't work based on kind of like uh, one Matt thing. Damon's track record. Well, it's even like... Matt Damon's like cinematic track record or Joel Kinnaman's cinematic track record. Remember when Jai Courtney just kept showing up? Oh yeah, Terminator. Jesus, that was a dark yeah. time. I have the of the of the Boston Red Sox cap on. Speaking of of of, of Matt Damon. <laughs> The, the, um, a friend of mine wrote me a treatise on how I shouldn't wear Boston um, uh, Red Sox caps anymore because people assume I'm 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 a racist and and, and hate gay people. I I uh, I love I love by the way that that you drew attention to it in the audio medium. I appreciate that. It's like people didn't have to know you're wearing a Boston Red Sox cap. They they do now. You're cancelled um, now, Andrew. You're recognized. Yeah, coming. You've, you've you've done it now. Yeah, <laughs> all I did was stand with Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Team, Team America, lesson. Matt like, Damon. <laughs> at the time this was recorded, it was a couple of weeks ago that he, yeah. he learned his lesson. Yeah, and now it's maybe a few months. <laughs> <laughs> He's grown as a person. Um, I do love like that thing about how much it costs America to rescue Matt Damon from like another planet, from Nazi-occupied France. Uh, from Liam, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Should have Liam Neeson left him. come in and save him now. Oh. Like, I have a certain set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should um, do an interview you know, together. Yeah, uh, yeah, PR skills. Yeah. Um, All right, and then Andrew, what about yourself? Is this one of the worst 100 movies you have ever seen? I mean, probably. I, I, I might, um, I might, I might take it to Bad Movie Island as well, possibly. I like that we're bringing back Bad Movie. It feels like it's been a while. <laughs> feels like we watched a couple of genuinely bad movies that, like, you wouldn't even want on Bad Movie Island. Actually, Andrew, I, can we reconfirm? You did definitely watch it, yeah? Yeah, I did. I did watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, like, like, it, it, I, I, I did, I did find it very um, bad, and it, 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 it probably is kind yeah. of like one of, but, it, but, I, I mean, it's also sort of like um, fun. It would be, it would be worse if it were kind of. Po-fate. I mean, it's trying to be fun, you yeah. know. If we were trying to be earnest, kind of, um, or like like a serious kind of a Nolanish sort of, um, uh, <laughs> uh, like I I I, I probably disliked um, Suicide Squad. I think there is another movie co- now called Is it called The, the Suicide the, Squad? Yeah. It's the only right. Suicide Squad that there ever was or has been. Suicide Squad uh, uh, colon Suicide Squad uh, Origins, um, <laughs> a Suicide Squad. Story. story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I was actually just gonna say I earlier on that I think the original Suicide Squad was probably it's like modern kind of contemporary to Catwoman, like particularly Cara Delevingne's turn as the Enchantress and stuff was very, very throwback to like even her movements and stuff very Catwoman esque. Yeah, particularly like CGI. We have yeah. pre-programmed this character. Yeah, We've got yeah. like an eighties and like a nineties video game engine that's yeah, going to yeah. animate the walk. But we'll we'll probably come back to that in a second. Well, and for- do you know what? I'll, I'll just give Catwoman this over Suicide Squad because I know we talked about reshoots for this. Because Catwoman is so weird, I could not pick out what was a reshoot or <laughs> yeah. not. Where yeah. Suicide Squad was so clear that yeah. movie's just like broken. Like Whereas the way Catwoman they is a complete vision. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Niall's going to speak to Pitoff's auteur vision of what Catwoman could well, or should be. Release I, the Pitoff cut. I made a joke about that earlier in Letterboxd. It was a bit catty, but I was like, if this, if Catwoman had come out now, there would be a vocal fan base saying, "No, this is probably a really good movie." They Buried underneath it, it all up in the edit. Yeah. I mean, Batman was originally in it. They cut Ben Affleck scenes. That's the that's because yeah. yeah. he's they cut him because he's friends with Matt Damon. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're coming for all of us. Yeah. Especially um, Andrew. <laughs> um, and for myself, probably not. I've seen a lot of terrible movies. The interesting thing about Catwoman is that like, when I'm not watching it, I'm like, wait, that was an interesting movie. But when I am watching it, I'm like, this is a terrible movie, uh, which is kind of an interesting place for a movie to be. Uh, but no, I don't think it's one of the worst 100 movies I've ever seen. And then finally, to take us into the spoiler zone, um, Niall, if listeners have not seen Cat, if they haven't had the experience of watching Pitoff's 2004 superhero spectacular, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? You know what? Like, maybe not immediately. I don't think it's one of those, like, have to, has to be seen to be believed bad movies. But I do think just because every free, there's so much superhero stuff now, when you're listing the, the spunk universe earlier, I can't believe I just said those words. <laughs> I was just getting like kind of depressed. I don't know. Because I would, I would trade all of the superhero movies this year for a second Tintin movie, you know? Give me the comic books I like. But um, I don't know. I think it's worth seeing, though, because it's so weird. We don't get bad movies like this anymore. Yes. You're definitely, definitely correct on that. And it is, it's got kind of a warm time capsule element to it. It reminded me of watching, like, when you see the first Fast and the Furious movie now. We're like, that was that year, you know? <laughs> They're stealing like, DVD players. Um, yeah. yeah. The second like, one is very kind of like this, but even, uh, maybe yeah. maybe even more. Like, where uh, yeah. there's just just a lot of, like, busy sort of, like, visual effects. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. I think it just might be my age now, because I was, uh, this was 2004, so I would have yeah. been nine years old when this came out. And so you're I feeling nostalgic for a film not... For a film I didn't see at the time, I remember the only, I think the only film I saw in the cinema that year was Spider-Man 2 because I live in the countryside. And I just can't believe these came out in the same year. And that Hel- the first Hellboy as well. They're just like yeah. miles apart in terms of just quality and just general coherence. Well, I don't know. I think that but, like um, the, the writer um, who is like, you know, when Black Panther came out, there was the whole bunch of all the usual suspects online who you would imagine t- saying terrible things. They're like, why are people talking about this? Like it's the first minority led superhero movie. Don't they remember Catwoman? Superhero movies have always been inclusive and people are just making a big deal of it now. And you had Blade. Blade was. Blade was Spawn. A, Spawn and probably Spawn. the first. Yeah. And Steel. And Steel, yeah. yep. Yeah, but you had people going like, yeah, why are people making such a big deal of it? And you had the writer or one of the 14 writers of Catwoman kind of coming online saying, no, the reason the reason why, you know, this is a big deal is because like Catwoman was a movie that was like directed by a white man, mostly had a white cast, written by a bunch of white people. It doesn't really get you don't really get to count it as a minority yeah. that superhero movie. But he he made the point as well that like one of the issues was that it came at the end of a style cycle. Um, and I think that speaks to what Niall was saying there, where it's like, you look at the movies that are released in the same year as this and in the years following this. So, you know, you've got like Batman Begins, for example, you've got, you know, you've got, as you pointed out, Spider-Man 2 is there as well. And those feel like they're the future kind of coming up. And this really feels like the last gasp of like, you, you mentioned, we mentioned Daredevil already on this. It feels like the last gasp of Daredevil. Maybe Ang Lee's Hulk is like the best world version of these kinds of superhero movies. But it, like, it feels like it's the end. It feels like it's the last dying gasp of something is kind of what this movie feels like. I think, this, is, this is its last resort. Hi, oh, <laughs> my life into pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but Billy, what about yourself? Sorry. So would you recommend listeners pause the podcast and watch Catwoman? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like how I mentioned earlier. I think it's it it depends on 
what kind of a movie goer you are as an individual but I think like if you're like me and you just totally get off on just trash heaps burning dumpster fires then yeah go for it because it's like you know it's a bit of crack of a Saturday you know why not but I do think it's especially you'll get such enjoyment if you know you have a couple of friends over a couple of snacks like even if you've never seen it yourself just pre-warn them and go I've heard this is terrible like brace yourself and you just have so much fun like with it because if there's so there's so many kind of absurdly baffling moments that there if are one choices per- there, are cho- there are choices there are many choices and I think if one person reacts it'll just cause a chain reaction and you'll just have the best time you really yeah. will I do love that you recommend watching it with snacks. We should point out that every copy of Catwoman comes with a man sandwich. Um, literal so man sandwich. Literal man sandwich. Yeah. Um, and Andrew, and what about you? note saying, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The brat no, never, never written by the barista. Like that, that's the big twist that you're waiting for with like yeah, Catwoman. the barista. <laughs> yes. I have Catwoman. <laughs> uh, sorry to jump ahead, but Andrew, what about yourself? Do you recommend listeners pause the podcast and watch Catwoman? Yeah, I guess like the the um, yeah yeah I, I I would like I I I think it's enjoyable for the reasons you've said and and maybe for some sincere stuff as well right like the the um I was I was looking at some of the kind of um the ten star reviews because like you have to give a ten on uh imdb on imdb like it's easier to you've done a, like you, you've done a lot of maybe. research for this i love that you're like i almost didn't watch the movie <laughs> but you're funny, like i've yeah. actually done research for this episode <laughs> you just looked at 10 star reviews and assumed this was a top 250 episode <laughs> yeah. this whole time it's how did this get made do like second opinions um from from amazon but uh, not you figured you'd do the imdb but, spin imdb yeah, is an it, amazon it, company People had related to it, like saying, "Like, oh, I wanted to be an artist, and I was working this Aww. kind of like dead, dead, dead end job, and I really kind of like identified um, with, with patience, that, uh, with patience as as like a character, and I, 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 I see that stuff, and and uh, they, they, and as well, like in 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 terms of like having kind of like uh, uh, crushes, I think that the, the 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 women are given a lot of space to kind of crush on guys." And also for like a young, like eleven year old boy, there's loads of TNA. So um, yeah, the, the, I have a whole section on the uniform, uh, on the costume, right? Um, by Academy Award winning designer Angus Strathy, who had just won his Oscar for Moulin Rouge. He was like, "This will be my great artistic statement." This Catwoman costume, as you do. Anyway, well, sorry. Did he just give up on designing it halfway through? Just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I feel like the pants, the pants are good. I've got the pants nailed. Everything above that, I just, we'll figure it out later. We'll do it in post. It'll be fine. But she changes her hair and then they cover it up. Yeah, yeah it's a really nice haircut. With too. two scissors by herself. <laughs> yeah. Two scissors by herself. Lockdown. Yeah, yeah lockdown. Hellberry was ahead of the curve on, in terms of lockdown. Apparently, yeah, the, the original costume was so tight that Hellberry had trouble moving and breathing in it. Um, so they loosened it, and apparently then it kept falling apart while filming, um, which was not good either. Um, so yeah, no, that is that is that is it was a a very uncomfortable costume in in all possible senses of the word. Sorry, Andrew, cut you off there. No, no, you're perfect. I I I, I think I would recommend those. 
And See, Andrew was too busy thinking of the costume again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just daydreaming. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for your service, Halle <laughs> Yeah. So we salute you. Um, yeah, I, I do yeah. love, by the way, that like I'm reading the comments from like Pitoff on, on the costume, and here it is. I'm really proud of the design of the costume. To me, it's in the same vein of the others, but it's unique to Halle. It's very sexy. We tried to show a lot of skin to make the suit as cat-like as possible and also to bring in a dimension of the warrior, somebody who's ready for a fight. And then you have like, you know, again, another quote where it's, uh, you have Hellberry saying, what I liked best about it is how freeing it was. You can see her spine, her ribs, and the lean sinewy musculature of the cat. The other great thing about the cat suit is that within the story, it's very realistic as to how Patience comes up with the outfit. It's not like she just pulls it out of a secret closet in her apartment. She's an artist and she uses her artistic sensibilities to put the whole design together. That's that's Hellberry's comment on the costume. She is told, it, it, it's revealed earlier that she has a leather outfit. Yeah. In her closet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She takes it out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you should wear that tomorrow at the date. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like no. I'd rather use it to fight crime. I feel, and and for myself, uh, in terms of recommendations, maybe I think if you're in the right frame of mind uh, with the right bunch of people, it's probably a good watch. I agree with Niall that I think it kind of lags in the middle. I think its beginning is is Gonzo. I think its ending is Gonzo, and I think in the middle, like barring a few scenes such as sensuous basketball, sensuous R and B basketball, which I feel like we're going to talk about in the spoiler zone it does kind of get stuck in a loop where it just repeats scenes over and over again until you get to the third act. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're in the right frame of mind, it could work. With that in mind, then, we're going to segue neatly into the spoiler zone. People are going to have to wait until they watch the movie to find out how the basketball game went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're not going to give scores. Yeah, we're not going to give scores. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so, so scandalous. So, Billy, what is Catwoman about for you? Hmm, I feel like that's a semi-loaded question. I don't even know how... How do you... That's like trying to get me to explain a colour I've never seen before. It's just like... I don't know. I think at its core, I think Catwoman had good intentions. I think... um, Jesus. (laughs) Like that, it's, I don't know, like, it's, I do think... Do you want me to pass the ball over to Niall? Um, Yeah, I I think, I... Listeners cannot see Niall staring blankly into the camera in what looks like terror. Yeah, I try, I try to protect everyone else, because I, again, I am the, I'm the connoisseur. I think at its core, I think Catwoman is, it's supposed to, I think they set out for it to be, like, a story of kind of, like, you know, feminist empowerment and, like, reclamation of their, like you know, your, like of your person and of yourself. I think like it has some really interesting, um, like we talked about earlier, kind of deviations into like identity and stuff, like, particularly with like of, uh, Sharon Stone's character um, with just a general kind of DC blanket kind of put on, well, pseudo DC blanket put onto it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think like there's, it, it goes down so many weird kind of, side streets that it's like yeah i don't know i'm so sorry if this if this is like making no sense but it's essentially the like trying to like um compartmentalize all the different kind of strings that this movie has in its bow 
Like it's kind of kind of crime fightery. It's kind of feminist, but it's also not really. It's kind of supernatural, but also not really. Like, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. The, the kind of feminism <laughs> of it is is kind of weird and like odd. And like, part of me is like, I feel like this it's, is it's a- better than swept away. Yes, yes, it is. It is a more feminist a, movie than Swept count- Away. Yes, but it's also a kind of a counterpoint to Swept Away and some of the things that we spoke about when we were talking about like Madonna saying how, like men are threatened, by um like a a a, a woman who kind of like speaks her mind or is is kind of it, that it scares them. They, that's kind of like brought up in this movie. It's like oh, you shouldn't beat them at basketball. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And she kind of does what she wants. And Benjamin Bratt talking about whether he likes a bad girl and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, yeah, you know that, that yeah. kind of again, that that even that small line from to... Sharon Stone. Yeah, that small line from yeah. Sharon Stone where she kind of like shoots him, and she's like, you know, I'm a woman. I'm used to doing things I don't want to do. You get a that was of... a great line. That, in fairness, I thought that was a really good line. Um, I do love, by the way, the shot of Benjamin Bratt really clumsily trying to pull his gun. It's what, like, that's because we're so used to seeing cops pull their guns, like, really fast and really quickly in movies. I do love that he's apparently a cop who has no idea how to draw his gun competently. Um, he just yeah. seems to, like, it seems to get stuck well, long enough for Sharon to turn around and shoot him. In, in a room full of children. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, he's not a real cop. <laughs> Will you shoot him? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, but no, like I, I think there's something cast kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Non-fatal shot, please. But I, yeah. I do love that. Like, there, like that's there's a really interesting kind of tension there, where you can tell, like, the movie does to a certain extent. Like, there's a lot of kind of like female empowerment stuff there. There's a lot of like when she goes to visit uh, the character played by Frances Conroy, the, the literal crazy old cat lady. But she has this big speech, and it's like women are not contained, cat women particularly, are not contained by the rules of society. You follow your own desires. Uh, you will often be alone and misunderstood, but you will experience a freedom other women will never know. You are a cat woman. Every sight, every smell, every sound incredibly heightened. Fierce independence, total confidence, inhuman reflexes. Um, and like even the monologue she has at the end where she's like, you know, I am free and I am powerful. But like at the same time, you have that juxtaposed with the way the camera kind of like the way it pans across her ass, the way in which like yeah. it goes like super sl- like it goes super slow motion. And the r soundtrack does, I believe, a woo sound the first time that she's wearing the uniform. Um, and like the fact that like I think Hale Berry herself kind of made the point that like when she was like when they were working on the script she was like but why like why am I fighting a cosmetics company like Batman and Superman get to fight like real supervillains and fight crime yeah, and save fairness, the world the Tim Burton uh, Batman he's uh, fighting a, a, a cosmetics kind of magnet yes but that's that's one of the that's one of the things the Joker's doing in that movie on top of like trying to gas the entire city and you know you know, having a cathedral base, <laughs> other other humorous kind of diversions, but like you know, the cosmetics aspect is just one small shakes. part of that. Yeah, as opposed to being the entire basis of like what the character is rooted around, because it it does really feel like you know you can imagine the Warner Brothers meeting where they're like, Catwoman. So it's got to be a pick, got to be about like a uh, woman. Well, what are women like? What are, what are broads like? Makeup. They all like yeah, dress my, costuming. Yeah, my you know, broad like, can't can't stop talking about dress size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broad, moisturizer they, moisturizer she's always moisturizing something my wife uh you you get a real sense that like that's the process in some way behind the movie it's like well 
it's a gotta be a movie that speaks to women. What do women like? They like uh, cosmetics, yeah. I'm cosmetics. Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> cosmetics, Benjamin Bratt, and French people. That's yeah. what we got. Man sandwiches. They eat <laughs> <Yeah>. man sandwiches. <laughs> um, because like that's that's the weird paradox of Catwoman, where like you can tell that like it's got this kind of. But it, it it's like sexist and 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 aware of sexism though. At yes, the same which time. is yeah. Because like they 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 have the the when there's the jewelry heist, you have this kind of like retro guy guy who's like, uh, what do we call her? Like, uh, catbird, um, cat slag. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta legally change my name to cat slag now. <laughs> I do love the other guy. You know, you're waiting for the other guy to go. No, don't call her Catwoman. She's a cat person. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Somewhere the New Yorker is like, we could, we could, we could turn that into a story. I think. Um, but like, and again, the fact is, like, so much of this movie seems to be reverse engineered around like Batman Returns, right? So, and like, obviously, you have like the whole cat weird cat mythology, which is something I kind of adore about the movie. Yeah, it's repeated I, twice as well. You, you. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. I just need to say this because this is my absolute favorite thing about this movie is that this is a movie that uses its opening to explain to the audience what a cat is. Yeah, and, yeah. and how cats <laughs> colonize think... the world. It's like the secret yeah. origin of cats. Now, it never explains what a woman is, so I'm still waiting <laughs> to figure that one out. Yeah. For the first movie, I'm glad I know what the cat is. Yeah. I, I, love, I, like, I love that like during I, the opening credits, there's a shot that's like, cat mummies, full stop, found among the ruins. Like, it's meant to be some grand mystery. Like, the audience is meant to be scratching their head going, but... Why? What does it, it mean? <laughs> it reminded me of another early noughties thing of uh, Bert is Evil, where it's like Bert Over from Bert Sesame Ernie. Street, and and you insert insert him into like kind of like historical photographs, <laughs> to, like prove he's equal, uh, he's evil. So you have him like at Nuremberg, <laughs> you have it with like his arm around a young Michael Jackson, and all of these sorts of things. I was ex- um, I was expecting yeah. to see a cat in the Overlook Hotel, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. <laughs> like that, like that's writing the, the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> like, like the, the, <laughs> the thing. Little paw. <laughs> The the thing about that opening sequence is like, I'm waiting when I watch that. I'm waiting for like Liam Neeson's monologue from the end of Batman Begins going, we sacked Rome. We loaded ships with plague rafts. Every time a civilization reached the the peak of its decadence, cats were there to make sure that it pushed back against it. Because it's really committed to the secret history of cats. Where it's like, sometimes women wear masks. Isn't that like a cat thing? There's got to be something going on there, which I kind of adore. Like it commits wholeheartedly. Sorry, Billy. No, I was just going to say, as the owner of six cats, I can assure you that all of that cat history is very much accurate, I'm sure. Like I was just even when we were just talking there, one of my Persians came up and he's very vocal. And I was like, we're going to be doing a podcast about Catwoman and you're just going to hear him in the background giving out. (laughs) All he does is give out. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so accurate. (laughs) This is so on point. (laughs) Well, I mean, oh, the parent- little farts that come out their mouth. Yeah. The green gas. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> life-giving. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. You know that, like, that's apparently, like, so, and again, the special effects are so so bad in this movie that they become hotly contested, where the special effects houses that work on this have made a point to say, no, 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 you're not blaming us for that. That was not us. We just did the cats. Um, so like Tibbet Studios, I think, are the company that just did the cats. And they just did three shots of cats. Uh, from the movie Catwoman, and have apparently oh, spent their entire t- career going. T- 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 that t- that t- was studios. just us. 
Io. It sounds uh, like a cat. It does. Tibbet Studio. <laughs> we specialize in cats. That's what we're doing. But apparently, they had forty-three um, cats on set at various times over the course of the movie. Um, was that was that for the actual film, or did they just leave the window open? Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> When they they when when you have these people credited as well as like cat handlers, they're just they're just cat people. I hope. <laughs> they, 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 no one can kind of like wrangle like a cat. cat. Oh yeah, they, they, even Catwoman says it. Yeah. It's like you know, cats cats you know come when they want. Um, yeah. Ooh, sexy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like, oh, by the way, just a small bit of trivia here because we're, we're not drinking go- cream as well. We're not going to be covering the Suicide Squad cream. on the on the podcast. I do love that, like the character of Sebastian, who is a rat in the Suicide Squad, was played by two real live rats. One of which was called Crisp Rat, Crisp Rat. Like I love that. Um, but yeah, like, and- did they did they also have a Benjamin <laughs> rat? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like the thing and the weird thing about like the movie like the movie's plot where the cat chooses her and the cat chooses patience by luring yeah it gives her a test by luring her out onto a ledge and that's apparently how you determine who is worthy of receiving magic cat god powers how stupid they are they need protection (laughs) she she needs special powers because she's so dumb (laughs) I, I do think if you wanted someone to watch this film you'd have to show them that scene I think that's like the standout of just bizarre decisions. <laughs> well, you well, know, it's Halle Berry deciding to go out on that ledge because of a cat. Scre- screenwriters have this thing of giving give, save give, the cat give the character a yeah. save the cat moment. Yeah. So she doesn't even save it. No, the cat no. just disappears and leaves her lurching there. And Benjamin Bratt's like, "What's this crazy lady at?" Ben- Benjamin Bratt uses the speed force to go up like two flights <laughs> of stairs in one bus. <laughs> This is a really cool setup for the Flash movie they didn't go around to. But, uh, yeah, yeah. To be fair, it's not the only point in the movie where the edit serves to confuse the action significantly. Um, one of the things that, like, uh, the thing about that is that you mentioned that scene. That's one of the issues with the the edit is that that was originally meant to be the big opening scene. So the idea yeah. was that, yeah, no, the idea was that she would be lured out onto the ledge by the cat. That would cause her to fall behind. She wouldn't get her project done in time. And then, as a result, that's why in the opening scene she seems to be hurrying and bumping into people when she's going to work, even though there's no reason in the movie itself, because that was meant to come after the cat sequence. And the whole thing was meant to be that the, like that delay would cause her not getting the project done on time, which would cause her being there at midnight, which would cause her being, you know, killed, which would lead to her being resurrected. I mean, look, I'm not saying hashtag release the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pitoff. Pitoff. He has a single name. He's like yeah, he's Cher, like Prince or Cher or Madonna. Prince, yeah. I'm not saying this is iconic. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying hashtag release the Petov Cup, but I'm, I'm just saying that's an interesting structural uh, structural difference there. Um, and like while we're on the cat stuff, because this this feels kind of important. Like, I love the the fact that like Pitoff went on record. He's like, I do not know Catwoman. I have not read any of the comics. I do not care for them. Um, and I love that like the concept of Catwoman is we looked at the name. The name tells us everything we need to know. Woman and cat. So it's like, Hail Berry, we want you to play this like a 40-year-old woman who is also a cat. Can you do that? And she's like, yes, yes, I can. Like, when she transforms, I love that the movie's like, can you eat sushi like a cat? Can you dance like you're afraid of rain like a cat? Can you jump like a cat? Can you hunt a little crab on the beach like a cat? Kind of like, 
how wired in Hale Berry is in terms of performance in this movie, like from the the simple two syllable premise Catwoman. And can you give the world's worst drink order at a bar? That would make any bartender hate you. <laughs> Most convoluted drink order as well. And he's he's smiling throughout that scene. He's like smirking at her and I, like you know like he's I, good at his job. <laughs> I, I I was I was I was a waitress for many a year and I actually once had someone ask me for like uh, I think a Malibu and a pint of milk. Apparently that's a thing, but when that woman asked me for the pint of milk, which I would have had to have gone downstairs to get for her. I have never hated anyone in my life as much. I looked at that woman with such disdain that I was fairly sure her face was going to melt off. I was like, how dare you? (laughs) I think that's why in the prophecy or whatever in the film, the crazy cat woman says, it's like, that's why you'll be fear and despised. (laughs) You're so annoying in shops. I like I like cats and that that was another thing again that I, it was so dumb but I was like cats don't even like like it's milk it's not cream like well white Americans cream. haven't heard about it's milk sorry <laughs> oh yeah it's all cream <laughs> I beg your pardon <laughs> and they they have half Got and cream half, which is like half milk half creamer cream. I think oh, disgusting <laughs> and you don't sorry, put milk Americans. in your coffee you put cream in your coffee yeah. you put and eggnog it, on your cereal is it. Um, I'm 90% sure that scene was only so she could have the milk moustache yes. and lick it off. That made me physically sick. Yeah. That bit. I was like, wow. I just, my my skin has just like shriveled up so much that I, it hurt me. And just a gentle segue out of that because it's just been on my head and I have to say it. When she kind of realises that she's not right, aside from the fact that she has like superhero reflexes and like is eating tuna out of the can and like all that mad stuff. And like Robin Banks. I do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been like, resurrected by an Egyptian cat god, Nile? Did, 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 did a cat burp into your mouth? Like, like what happened? Oh, but, that would make me sick. <laughs> when she went over and she Googles Yes, cat women. And all I could yeah. think of was in Twilight Breaking Dawn <laughs> when they realized that Bella is pregnant these like ancient vampires that are so intelligent go to Google and Google vampire baby. And I remember several interviews with Robert Pattinson going like, he can't get her pregnant because he's dead. Like he literally can't. The explanation is the fact that he has venom that can do things. So instead of turning to his peers, all his ancient vampire peers, they go to Google and they Google vampire baby she's off dying in the corner they're googling vampire babies and like looking up these books that suddenly have all the answers and that was the exact same with Catwoman. cat lady resources all these ancient <laughs> mystical resources suddenly at your disposal that nobody knows or talks about i also much. love that like benjamin like there's a sense this movie doesn't know how google works because like benjamin bratt in 2004 is like oh uh don't worry that's not very impressive i just googled all the art in your apartment and it's like what did you Google? Ship picture? Like, Google <laughs> art. What is art? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I was thinking that this movie or might have had to, yeah. to, to, to popularize Google. But then I realized, it was it, like at the end of that Googling scene, after he had mentioned Google earlier, she clicks on a button and says Yahoo search. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's a Yahoo search. I was like, oh, the, the, Nokia, the blocky of phone that has Sharon Stone's like, but video, video call. Like, video may, call. Like, maybe Pete Off was above us. Like, you know, he knew time. about Google image search. Knew about Google image search. 
and he knew about like you know the FaceTime. Well, so. I believe um, they, one of the writers was Douglas Adams was heavily involved. <laughs> yeah, uncredited, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uncredited. yeah, yeah. Well, there just wasn't room in the credits. There's too many writers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there Luckily are someone... there are four credited writers on the movie. To be fair. Um, but yeah, and like I mean, I, I do also love, and again, this is just a small thing, but like Ophelia Powers, who is the the crazy cat lady, I love that she's like my theories were too much for male academia, and I love no, the she uh, says male academia. Yeah. she's a, she's a woman after your own heart. A mispronunciation, <laughs> but I I do love that I do love that it's like yeah no the, the the problem wasn't that I was proposing that cats had been secretly controlling history through their champions over millennia. No, the problem was sexism. That and that was the problem there. And I'm like, uh, okay, okay, I I can I can see that. I, I the, those scenes were my least favorite. <laughs> the exposition stuff, yeah. J- just with her, just because I could I could in my head imagine how bad her house smelled. <laughs> There's just cats and crap everywhere. I don't know. It's just like that that whole vibe. Uh, I do love, by the way, that it's like an uphouse where they're like they've clearly like renovated everything around her. They've like rezoned. They built like skyscrapers, and there's just this little cottage where she lives, apparently refusing. It's like Doctor Strange's house. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what would she teach like undergraduates, especially like first and second year? Like I can imagine this cat stuff <laughs> being an elective, like subject. But um, what? Which of the cores <laughs> is she going to kind of? Um, so we need to talk about your business and economics course that you're running Ophelia we feel like it's a bit uh, cat heavy is the term that has been used and thrown around Um, speaking of Doctor Strange some people love it (laughs) (laughs) we don't want to pussyfoot around it here but one of the things that I um, to bring it back to something Niall mentioned there like Doctor Strange's house interesting I do wonder if like the Benjamin Bratt cameo in Doctor Strange in which he is a man who plays basketball after a horrific accident, but the movie ends with him being attacked on a basketball court and killed. I can't help but wonder if that is a rather direct take that at his uh, famous basketball scene in the movie Catwoman that we are discussing today, uh, which is one of the film's most famous sequences. And I would argue one of the most indicative in terms of its uh, style, tone and sensibility. Um, yeah. It, anybody want to talk to the basketball scene? I want to shake the hand. Of whoever decided to use scandalous. I want yeah. to kiss them on the forehead and just thank them. Every it's... time I see that scene, it's like a fever dream. I, I always forget that it's a thing. And then when I remember, I'm just so grateful every I, single time. I love that they're playing in front of kids. Like it's it's this absurdly sexually charged game. There's a point where like you get the close-ups cut on her ass and you get him fanning himself and fanning his abs and every once in yeah. a while you'll cut back to like the seven-year-old the 12-year-old, kids yeah. Yeah, we're just watching this yeah like can uh, we get our ball back uh, him. yeah yeah like she she's on top of him and it's like can we get our ball back sir and it's like uh yeah sure forgot you were there yeah uh, can we just talk about the context of she finds out this cop has gone to a school so this strange woman <laughs> just goes into a school into a classroom just to hang out yeah. and play sexy basketball it's just <laughs> I had that same thought. (laughs) I had that same thought when he found her in work. Like I was like, is is it just because he's a cop he can just go and do like whatever he wants? Is that like the crack? And then obviously the flip side, she just shows up at a school, like not a parent, (laughs) not a guardian, just a lady, and not even like waiting outside the school. Just goes into the classroom and no one questions it. The teacher's not going. What is the teacher? Yeah, what's the teacher doing? Monitor. (laughs) <laughs> like, do, do you have a hall class? Like, Shouldn't Benjamin... you be in class? Yeah, 
Benjamin Brack could be a lunatic. He's coming inside to the school with a gun. He could be nuts. He might not even be a cop at all. And <laughs> I'm not they're... sending my kids to school if a cat woman can get in. Yeah. yeah. Halle Berry specifically. But like and, and like the edit on this movie is completely bonkers. Um it is one of those things where it is completely exhausting. Um everything is cut to within an inch of its life. There's a sequence early on where she's being chased by Michael Massey um through like the apparently like gigantic sewer system of this uh cosmetics factory and it's cut like a like an 80s 90s music video where you you almost expect to hear the synth playing as they kind of dance between the steam pipes it's this is when she gets flushed down the pipes <laughs> yes it like sets up the line later in the movie it was me you flushed down the pipes <laughs> like, yeah. you what a terrible way to die as well it's like, yeah, I, yeah. of all the badass kind of origins, it's like, no, you were flushed down a literal <laughs> sewer pipe. Like, like, yeah, just, it's what happens like to kitten. hamsters like and like turds. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Sorry, that's kind Darren, of what they're did going you flush for, like... your kitten down the, down the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I, love, I love that Andrew's like, I flushed flush a, flush a, flush a, a hamster, but okay, fine. I thought it was like a small, I, a, I've never flushed a hamster. Pet. I, th- I think it's traditional to flush a uh, goldfish down the toilet. Or alligator. Um, from or an alligator, yeah, it's, or an alligator. It would feel weird to bury a fish. Like, it feels like it doesn't belong <laughs> in the ground. Um, You're not sending it home. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, but like, whole se- like again, that's the, the weird thing with the movie where it feels like so much of this movie is reverse engineered from Batman Returns, where it's like, remember all the Catwoman stuff from Batman Returns? Let's just do that again. So it's a another woman who works a thankless job who finds herself like oppressed and kind of like stressed out by like you know capitalism and kind of like the the industry in which she works she's working for a boss who is obnoxious and aggressive she sees something at work that she shouldn't and then is kind of like you know clumsily killed by being thrown from a height and then is resurrected by a magic cat and then strikes up an unlikely relationship and a double life like so much of this movie just feels like it's retreading like the Catwoman stuff from Batman Returns, but without any of the stuff that makes it interesting. It's also, I think, The Crow has been singled out. Like, The Crow seems to be a major influence here, right down to the casting of Michael Massey as one of the henchmen, I think. And and the story of Christ <laughs> as well, I would say. I mean, yeah, she she is dying for our sins very specifically, yeah. you know. I, um, maybe it's a bit nitpicky and it's not like kind of like everything wrong with Catwoman in five minutes sort of thing, but the... the I do feel like when 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 he goes to shoot her and the other guy is like, "What are you doing?" He, the, 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 yeah, the fella, the fella just wait until she Ryu, steps out. Yeah, yeah. no, no, not like trying to fire or sue her, and then get someone <laughs> to kill her like at her apartment or something. You know, like 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 take 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 your time with us. Um, I I do love yeah. that this is always Andrew's kind of crit- like when we talked about was it No Country for Old Men Andrew's like yeah that that choke mechanism is just clumsy there somebody's gonna just wrestle away from you and it's I love that Andrew's always like there's a much more efficient way to kill this character <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew just does it like shoddy workmanship when it comes to on screen assassination um, we're just getting the sense of Andrew's day job <laughs> yeah <laughs> com- commit to it do it treat yourself as a professional. Um, yeah, I was yeah I, I I think as you might have gathered earlier I did watch Primal Fur um, <laughs> uh, last night which isn't that I good don't... but there there were there were there were, there were several Love Primal scenes, Fur yeah where where there there were where where this kind of like um, a, a former choir boy like a very slight man like gets away from Andre Brower 
like while and and, and I'm like how did that happen? Um, <laughs> he, he he like had him. How could he possibly let him get away? Yeah. Um, I, I love, so that that's your that's your big reality break with 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 Catwoman, right? Like you think yeah, you think yeah. that the the assassination from the guns for hire who work for a cosmetics company is not uh, is not nearly enough. I do love, by the way, the sequence where the um the scientist is explaining like how the level of comfort that he has. It's like I I don't so mind. I mean, it's what? Yeah. Oh no! It's, it's, it's cu- there oh, are three cuts. There are three cuts in his monologue, like when the camera's focused on his face, which is like terrible. It's like I thought I was having a seizure. How I long? Didn't know what was wrong with me? How long was his monologue originally? That Warner's were like, just kind of cut to the uh, cut to the cut to the core. Take the, give the three headline points that he's making. It's like no, he originally had a twenty-minute one take in the middle of this, and we couldn't get the actor back, so we had to frantically just cut down. But yeah, it's like we had to get um, we had to get Jean Luc Godard in. <laughs> yeah. jump cut. That's- <laughs> yeah. What we really want is people investing in this kind of like exposition monologue. But I love that he's like, look, I was fine with like the headaches and and the potential cancer. I'm okay with the fact that it's addictive. But the fact that if you stop using it, it will scar you. That is a bridge too far. Uh, I'm like uh, turning people into monsters. I think is what he says specifically. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, but, like I don't um, mind if they're addicted and pretty. Um, yeah. Russell Crowe in The Insider. Like, it never would have happened. You were like, I'm still comfortable with cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I transferred over yeah. from the tobacco department. So I, I have very loose standards when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like, uh, kind of like the evil face cream and stuff like that. But in terms of like other stuff, is there anything we want to talk about? Anything that we haven't discussed already jumping out at us about Catwoman? Um, anything in terms of plot, particular scenes, particular beats, particular choices? This is, this this baffled me because uh, it's my second time watching it. But the inciting incident for Catwoman to suit up is she goes and beats up her noisy neighbors. Yes. And then decides, now I am Catwoman. <laughs> and with no setup, she just goes to rob rob a, a jewelry store slash bank. It looked like a bank, but it was a jewelry <laughs> store. As well. But she interrupts a robbery yeah. that is already taking place. I think with she's the we- what, what One of the weirdest lines in the movie where she's perched up watching him and she just calls him amateurs. It's like this is your first time doing it <laughs> for an amateur. These guys are probably yeah. professionals. They put in their time. Yeah. They've done their kind of like yeah. five, three to three to five. Well, I mean, like again, that's one of those moments that feels like it's somebody watched Batman Returns and was like, "We got to do that again." Because you have the similar sequence in Batman Returns where she robs the store and she stops the two police officers mm. or the two cops, and you have that line. It's like, "Lady, a take home's only three hundred. It's like, "Well, you're overpaid." It feels like a very similar kind of like we got to do something. Similar to that, but again, the weird thing where she she steals. Uh, oh, by the way, you mentioned the inciting incident with the um with the with the party. I love that the writers are like, "Look, she has a bullwhip. We have to explain mm. how she has a bullwhip. It's not cat themed. Doesn't really fit with the motif. So, uh, yeah, how do we figure that out? It's like, what if she sprays somebody with a hose from a keg? Then the hose comes undone, and she realizes she can use it like a whip." Fantastic, Dave! You've done it again. You're writer so number what's fifteen. What's the whip connected to, and and what liquid comes out of it? <laughs> yeah. It's like no, no. The next time it won't have any liquid. So how is it going to turn off like uh, amps? I, I would love it if her takeaway from that was, I need to bring a keg around. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like my my kind of girl. It would be it's, it, like it's the weird thing where like the the initial kind of like non cat woman is like I'm trying to sleep and these. 
these people are having a party and then it's like Catwoman <laughs> is like I'm I'm still trying to sleep <laughs> and I still don't want to be at this party but now I'm going to do something about it it's like, like she hasn't kind of it, she hasn't really broke bad to the point where she like goes in there and starts like carousing and then gets in a fight like yeah yeah just, um, just I'm going to use my superpowers to stop this from happening and again to be a narc yeah <laughs> <laughs> like end of fun <laughs> like but like not only can they not have a party now but they will, they will have no more parties because you've destroyed their like uh, equipment I, I love that that's cutting loose that's sorry Billy and, and oh, sorry. The, the, the people at that party all knew who she was and where she lived <laughs> like did they not call the police this woman came in just assaulted and, them all. and she stole her motorbike as well yeah, she, yeah, it's, yeah. so broke down their door I, I love that that line was clearly added in ADR by the way I love that like yeah, she gets yeah, on yeah. she gets on the motorbike and I love that at some point somebody's like but wait wh- where'd she get the motorbike from and it's like okay somebody added an ADR line um well, there's definitely deleted scenes. Oh, Free yeah. Larson, bring that bike back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that actually um, is a kind of... I was trying to, like, marinate the point in my head, but, like, it's just so simple. It's, like, suddenly when she becomes Catwoman, she knows how to do everything. So she suddenly knows how to ride a motorbike. She suddenly knows how to beat the crap out of people. And not just, like, oh, I'm kind of stronger. I can kind of, like, block punches and stuff. She's, like, a martial artist. And she's, like, doing all these gymnastic things. That like even if you have like, because that's something that I've often kind of thought about with the likes of characters like Superman, like likes of Superman is so like physically overpowered that what I love in Superman too is when he loses his power, when he gets attacked in the diner, he tries to block the punch, but he's never had to properly, you know, you know, implement yeah. yeah physically implement any kind of martial arts or skills, so he gets the head punched off him. But a character like on the flip side, like Catwoman, who's gone from the, this little meek kind of you know softly softly suddenly she's like this all-around badass and she knows how to use a whip she knows how to beat the crap out of people she's like doing backflips and like sliding under people's legs and doing mad crap that like you know you'd expect someone like it's if you saw it in like the likes of black widow you'd go okay fair enough because she's trained her entire she's life trained, for this. yeah yeah okay yeah, they, i can dig it but she suddenly is like spectacular yeah it, it's done very poorly to reveal it it's kind of it, it's it's which it's reveals kind of right? too too fast of 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 her powers like yeah. when she jumps yeah, up onto it, the the fire escape it's got it, it kind of reminds you of like like the, the movies kind of are generally better at doing that like like yeah you know the, well, spider-man would be a great example yeah. of that like yeah, yeah. A couple of summers robocop there. gratuitous um <laughs> yeah. robocop, robocop reference, reference uh but yes yeah, Sp- Sp- spider-man does it very well where, and so does the crow where, actually kind of, yeah yeah because it's weird because yeah. i I thought the first time I watched it, you know, and she's kind of resurrected that she'd wake up in her house and like have to think, oh, was that a dream? Like the cat's brought her home and she's so find out she has powers. But we have to see her walk home, <laughs> which is really, really undignified. <laughs> I love that it's covered like, in this, sewer water. Yeah, I love that this is what's essential to this movie. I love that Petoff is like, no, 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 the audience won't buy it if they don't see her walk home. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff, like, the editing, like, we mentioned the editing being terrible. Like, the sequence where she's walking around her house, just talking to her girlfriend on the phone, and kind of, like, jumping up and walking on the furniture like a cat. And the way in which that is constantly edited, so it's like, okay, Hellberry, we've got her to jump a foot in the air, so let's cut, and then cut back, and now she's walking on the sofa. You don't need that to see the... That was for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, you don't need to get the, the kind of feet connected there. There's sequences, like, 
the action is really really bad in this like sequences where she's fighting like michael massey um the character playing armando who just kind of like disappears after she beats him and leaves him in the alleyway uh which i kind of wonder like did he get arrested did he just not show up to work the following morning but like rumor has it he's still there to this day (laughs) but like lying in the garbage (laughs) yeah but like beats up a random like jaguar driver (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah that guy did nothing wrong <laughs> and he was really nice and he was like oh my yeah, god are you, okay? are you okay and she just punches yeah. the face off him. <laughs> but, but also yeah, like the he didn't weird even choice own the to Jaguar have... he was the driver <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like the, the fact that like that sequence has the Jaguar hitting her again on the ass that really gratuitous shot that doesn't need to be in the movie but like like the sequence it taps yes it does tap thank you Andrew um, but like sequences like when she's fighting Massey in the alleyway and like he punches her and she dodges it. And you're like, OK, those are the stakes of the fight. And then they fight a bit more and she jumps through his legs and then he tries to punch her again in exactly the same way. And it's like, no, you, you've already shown that this doesn't work. Stop showing me the same stuff over and over again. That the choreography is is not good, I think, here. Um not that it's the only thing that's not good, but it's something that really kind of jarred watching it, where it's like, this fight sequence is far too long to the point where the characters are, like, repeating, like, cool, not, not even cool, but little choices that you made. Very enjoyable make, okay. things, yeah. It was the same, I think, with her fight, oh, sorry, and I was just, it was the same with her fight scene with uh, Benjamin Bratt as well. Yeah. Oh, up, up in the, up in the, the opera, the opera sequence. Um, with, the, with the very dangerous rigging. <laughs> yes, mm. oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, like, it is someone's job to go up there, kind of, you know, and like fix a light, say that that's kind of malfunctioning, but you have things like... <laughs> um, like the pit and the pendulum. Um, yeah, yeah. The brat and the pendulum, as it were. Um, but The brat and the belfry. Oh, damn it, you beat me to it. Damn it, Andrew. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that kind of stuff. And like, I I love by the way that it's that like that's the very thin overlap between it and like Batman Begins the next year is like the gratuitous opera sequence for high culture where like you know in Batman Begins you have like their flader mouse and you have like the sequence of the Waynes going to the opera I love that like Catwoman's like you know you know what more superheroes need more opera sequences that are interrupted by like Catwoman jumping on stage and dancing it's like between Cirque du Soleil yeah. uh, or something isn't it yeah yeah it's unbearable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, the sexy nightclub sequence before she beats up Michael Massey yeah. is just like, yeah. like when she before she even goes to get the drink and it's like the shot of there's a couple of like obviously they're like um I don't know like girls employed by the club dancing but it's like there's this one really weird shot where it's one of the girls and she's just kind of gyrating but you can tell that she's totally spaced out like she's not paying attention and Catwoman walks past her and it's just so jarring because it's like why? What was that? Like, like what was the point? And like, it wasn't even if it was like if it was sexy. You go okay, fair enough. Like, I can dig it. That yeah, no, it was just so awkward that it just would hurt your teeth. Just to jump back to the action, I just thought of saying it's like her first kind of showcase of her powers is at a party where she fights a few people, and then the bank robbery or the jewelry robbery where she fights like four armed guys. And the stakes peak there. It seems like from there on, she just fights guys kind of one-on-one. And then Sharon Stone, who is now made of stone or something. It's just, it's really weird. You always think there'd be like a bigger problem to solve, but it just, they kind of run out. Andrew just had like a galaxy brain moment. Hold on. 
I've I've just realised Halle Berry plays Sharon, Sharon Stone, Stone in the Flintstones. Yeah, Flintstones. Yeah. Flintstone. Yeah. 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 Sorry, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like I mean, and and to bring it back to kind of Billy's point there, like the the weird kind of like, and it, it's all because it's one of those things where like if it were exploitation, you kind of excuse it because it's like it's it's meant to be sleazy, it's meant to be kind of sexy, but the problem is that it just comes across as creepy. Things like the way in which she like when she attacks her victims. She doesn't like pull them up to her like Batman. She kind of straddles them and sits on their laps, which is very strange. The movie's very insistent on that. And things like the fact that like the CGI model that they have of her, um, that they have of mm. Hale Berry is like, again, something like an, an kind of a 2000s video game. But it it's designed to walk so that like it jiggles, if that makes sense, where it's like one yeah. leg in front of the other. So there's like the, the, the special effects team working on this are very proud of the kind of jiggle physics for lack of a better word which feels really sleazy because it's like she's she's walking across skylines and she looks like she's you know anyway it, it's really unsettling that the movie's like yeah no no cgi hellberry must also be sexy not just practical but, but sexy and the movie's kind of weird um it has this one trick which i think is i think andrew pointed out is very of this moment culturally where the movie begins in a CGI shot and then transitions into a live action shot. And it does this repeatedly over the course of the film. And one of the really terrible things about it is that because, and again, this is one of the terrible things about the design of Catwoman's costume. We mentioned the amount of skin on display. Like CGI human skin is very difficult to do. It is very hard to convincingly render human skin as a computer-generated special effect. Just look at things like uh, Final Fantasy Spirits Within or anything like that. Look at That's why Pixar went did Toy Story, because they couldn't convincingly replicate human beings. And that's why when they did do human beings later on, they tended towards more cartoonish designs. So to make like this model look feasible... And by the way, they used the same engine that they used for the Matrix sequels. You know, the Burly Brawl? Those are the same basic model physics that they used for the CGI here. But to make... Like the CGI match up with like the shot of Hale Berry like in her costume at the end, they had to do this weird makeup effect thing where her they made her skin look fake. Like throughout her skin looks kind of like clammy and sheeny and plasticky. Because like the only way that they could make the CGI match up with a live action was to like treat her skin so that it looked like it was made of like reflective plastic, which is very unsettling. And kind of like adds the uncanny valley quality of the movie, I would contend. That's just confused me so much now, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> I was just like, I always assumed that her skin was like so dewy, was just to try and add to her like sex appeal to try and like, oh, look, she's so shiny sweaty and, and yeah. sweaty and ooh, isn't that amazing? And look, she's in leather. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> It really, really is. Um, and by the way, we should uh, should note, by the way, I love Keith Phipps' review of it for the AV Club, where he notes the only way to make this movie more of its time would be to add a Tom Green cameo. That's the only way that you could make this movie more 2004 uh, in his assessment of the movie. And that feels like a, a pretty good assessment of kind of what Catwoman is, I would contend. Um, all right. So anything else from the other people? So Andrew, Niall, Billy, anything you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already? Oh. I mentioned that she knocks over the Jaguar driver. She also pushes um, Sharon Stone down the stairs when she when she's not guilty of anything. 
Like when no, 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 you haven't kind of established that she's a, a, a bad person. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just, just knocked over somebody Sharon who invaded. Yeah, who inv- a home invader. Yeah, she just attacked a home invader with a golf club. And again, that sequence because it's stairs. You stunts on stairs are very, very difficult to do um, because of health and safety because it can go wrong in so many ways. So you have this really unconvincing CGI. She could totally have killed that character. Like, yeah. Yeah. like by throwing her down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. As as far as she's aware. And then there would there would be a headline it's like um a catwoman kills um like whatever sorry, I I've I've forgotten the name of that character. I just and it would be true. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going I wanted to call her Sharon Stone. <laughs> Sharon Stone playing herself. By the way, apparently Sharon Stone was very difficult to work with on the set um, by her own reputation, by, you know, with, with her reputation predetermined. Apparently she would do things like during scenes, her cell phone would ring and she would just walk off set in the middle of shooting uh, in the middle of the scene to have a conversation on her phone, which I do like. I like to imagine it was also a video phone as well in the style of the movie. Uh, we should mention, by the way, that she plays Laurel Hedare is the character's name. And she is married to George Hedare, who is played by Lambert Wilson, who is a French the actor. Indian. Yes, that is it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Primarily known for his work as the Merovingian. Um, and he is also, he will be reprising his role for the upcoming uh, Matrix 4 as well. Um, which... Wait, he... Oh, sorry, I missed that. I thought you meant he was reprising his role from Catwoman in the Matrix. Where I was like, "What?" <laughs> A shared universe, baby. Well, it was part of the deal when they got like the technology when they used the CGI technology. It's like you have to take at least yeah, one character. Sort of Ready Player One <laughs> kind of Matrix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like covered in cat scratches. All, all, all the things that you love from, <laughs> yeah, from, from Catwoman. <laughs> Such yeah. as the Merovingian, Lambert Wilson will be popping up as well. Um, all right, then. And then we should also just acknowledge that, yeah, the, the movie was a financial failure. It grossed only $40 million, uh, on a $100 million budget. Effectively, arguably provided justification for the killing of uh, blockbusters uh, or superhero movies based around women or people of color. Um, so, yeah, it's legacy, uh, not necessarily uh, great, but it does it does feel like a bit of a time capsule. Darren, I have one last point, just it. while it's on my head. Um, I don't know if anyone else found it really weird, but in the bit where she... So, we I don't really think we've covered this that much, and I think we have to double back to the... When Benjamin Bratt's ca- cop character, Tom Loon, finds the box of donuts left after the robbery. Or the cupcakes, and yeah. The, cup- the cupcakes, cupcakes, sorry, the cupcakes. Yeah. There's the box of cupcakes, and then the coffee cup that she got him when she accidentally yeah. missed her first date. And the two saris are so clearly identical. <laughs> they are obviously the same person have written this. There's no distinction between the two of them. He cops, which fair play, like, because it's, it's a bit of a situation kind of like, you know, again, not to be harping on about Superman again, but the whole thing where Lois can't figure out Clark Superman because of the glasses. But he cops so quickly that Jesus Christ, like, what the hell? And he goes to investigate it. And then your man in the booth, the the handwriting yes. specialist is like oh you can tell this person's very lonely she's very sad and ugly and terrible and <laughs> awful How she's awful. Just a real piece of crap. <laughs> yeah. she should she, be flushed yeah she's just frumpy and you know she has bad breath and all but this person is super sexy and she's so confident look at her oh and it's like yeah. there's no difference what the hell <laughs> my, my, and then I'll, my favorite bit is the bit where he a, he opens the monologue by saying well it's not yeah. an exact science and then proceeds yeah. to like read the character exactly. summary I, I from would the script argue it's not a real job <laughs> yeah and then i think there's one shot that over his shoulder or something you can see that the two um 
saris line up and they're exact matches. Yeah. The, the things scanned and they're exact matches. And he's like, no. And then Benjamin Bratt's character's like, all right, then fair enough. I'll forget about it. Oh. Leaves it, proceeds to date Halle Berry. And then he's all scratching his head when he figures out she's Catwoman. I, I love, by the way, that like they, they can't match on the handwriting, but they do match on the lipstick, which feels very much like yeah. a, what? So, okay, so here's the pitch. It's a superhero. She's a woman. She's got a secret identity. Cops got to figure out how it is. How's he do it? It's like fingerprints. Nah, fingerprints. They're a bit of a guy thing. We need something woman like lipstick. Women are always wearing <laughs> yeah. lipstick. Boom. That's what I'll get. Over apologizing <laughs> and wearing yeah. lipstick. Yeah. Thing is, that, yeah. like fing- fingerprints like are are unique. But, Cats don't but, have but, fingerprints. But like this is a cat woman. More than one person can have the same lipstick. Like maybe it's two people that have having the same uh, lipstick. Maybe it's Maybelline. Hi oh. Maybe it's Boeling. I do. No, they call it Beoling. Beoling, yeah. But it's spelled Bowling. Bow bow line. It's just French people. Yeah. I I I think we joked earlier on, but I did really want the movie to end with uh, Tom Lone, which, by the way, I love that. Tom Lone is such a great bad name, but I do love the idea. Of... He works on his own, but he's really he doesn't like, have like he gets on fine with. Yeah, I, I love he's like I don't really have a partner anymore. That's not really a problem that reflects in any way on my character. Everyone or else seems to be taking their job as seriously yeah. as him because yeah. well. he he says it's his own fault he doesn't have a partner. Like he's surly, but he's just very affable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like maybe the problem is that nobody at the precinct can, like they can't split their time with him. Like the the problem is or everybody. Maybe they're all just too busy having. Yeah, they all were probably too busy trying to have sex with him, and he just couldn't deal with him. Yeah, he's like, please stop. Maybe... Too many fans, stop the... it. <laughs> the only person left without a partner was the handwriting guy. He's like, I'm, <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy's getting very horny about O's. I don't yeah. really want to talk. Yeah, I'm okay. Like. Like a cop show where you 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 have like um it's um it's Tom Lone and he's 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 a loner and he doesn't work work well with people even though he's quite affable and overall he's quite a good cop <laughs> and his partner handwriting specialist. And then you have to make every every case can <laughs> like, be cracked yeah. through hand. It's like bones. Yeah. It's like um. Well, yeah, they, 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 they and I I like with a lot of these cop shows like Chips. Yeah. It has to happen on the highway. Yeah. Miami Vice has to involve <laughs> drugs. Um, and like one more thing before we go then, um, just because it's a very 90s trope and I kind of like, I did smile when I noticed it. The opening monologue, it all started on the day that I died, which is something that you don't really see that much anymore, but I associate with kind of 90s thrillers, the voiceover going. It's, it's very Crow-esque as well yeah. with the opening to the Crow as well. Like yeah. you're, you're almost at, you're probably wondering how I got here. Record scratch. Um, <laughs> yeah. It opens just like Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> your body floating yeah. in water. Clearly aiming for yeah. all the cinematic greats. Um, I, I, American Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the classics. I will give a shout out, by the way, to my favorite example of like that. And it's a terrible example, but I love it so much, which is the movie Fallen, starring Danzel Washington as like uh, a cop investigating a demon. And the movie opens with the line, uh, I'm going to tell you about the time I almost died. And then at the end, the character di- looks like he's about to die. And then he's like, oh, but you forgot. I said I was going to tell you about the time I almost died. And you're like, damn it, movie, you got me with this cliche. He's very precise wording. Yeah. <laughs> that gave me heartburn. I love, I love um. in Casino. <laughs> we, we spoke about that. Sharon's with, uh, 
Where, where, no, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Sharon Stone is in it, but where Joe Pesci is giving... Oh, his like, model, a, his voiceover uh, just gets interrupted. A voiceover. <laughs> the voiceover is interrupted by a mean attack. Yeah, they took both, um, they, it was like a, it was, it was a coordinated hit, <laughs> where it's like, um, okay, Frank Vincent's going to take him into the cornrow. At the same time, we need to get the guy recording. His, his <laughs> it's over in the booth, yeah. So the, the different version of of, of Joe Pesci. I, I lo- uh, more like more like I gotta love the idea that now look, he's gonna go into the cornfield. You're gonna wait for him to start monologuing because that means his attention's wandering. And then when he's in the <laughs> yeah, middle of a he, sentence, just bam. If he looks reflective <laughs> yeah. at all, I kind of get him. Um, they yeah. had to do that to blend with the CG Joe Pesci, <laughs> the technology <laughs> yeah. they use for the skin. Um, all right then. I think that about then wraps it up. Then, unless there's anything else anybody wants we're, to talk about, I think we're in overtime. We are well. It's overtime. Well, <laughs> I I did admire the cat puns. Like the movie did win me over slightly with its commitment to terrible cat puns. Um, I will say, um, it that, really that scratched that itch. Odd, you know, kind of a. <laughs> it was an odd kind of like a sports pun where they were like, "It's game over." And it's like, no, it's well, over. See, Andrew, there's a lot of girl uh, the stuff. The remix. Yeah. The remix. There's a lot of, gir- the, there's oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. girl stuff in this movie, Andrew. You gotta, like, it's got fashion. It's got, like, makeup. You gotta have something for the guys Benjamin to latch on to. Yeah, you gotta have something. And the guys like sports, right? You men and your sports. Boom. How dare you. <laughs> yeah. Except for dressage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, all right then. So before we wrap up, what we normally do is we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners, something you're enjoying at the moment. If it's something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie. So to give Niall and Billy a chance to think about it. I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, I'm I I I was kind of struggling for another thing to recommend, kind of ba- ba- based off this. I'll I'll give it a go. But but one that kind of kept on coming up was Tim Burton's Batman. With with I I I I I um Heath Ledger's Joker is great, but I I I've like um Jack Nicholson is kind of my Joker. Um, he's like never never rub another man's rhubarb. You are my number one. Are my number one a guy. guy. Sorry, it's great. <laughs> it's so good, and it is 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 also kind of cosmetics poisoning people. Yeah. So that's that's the link aside from Batman. one of my favorite memories um, of Batman will be us recording the Twin Peaks thing coming home and watching Batman <laughs> in that kind of like barely awake. Want to go nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, then. And so, Niall, what would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I suppose I can make a tenuous link with this. I'm currently watching. Uh, it's quite old now. A few years anyway. The Amazon series Undone. It's kind Ooh, of this Bob Odenkirk and um, Rose yeah. Salazar, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I partially was watching it because I was desperately waiting. This might date the podcast a bit to see how Bob Odenkirk was because he recently right. had a little scare, and I was like, I don't want to watch something about Bob Odenkirk so, like solving his own murder at the moment. I want to wait till my precious Bob is fine because I love him so. I hope... And sorry, oh sorry, I was going to say I hope it doesn't become a cautionary tale. Like middle-aged people, it's like don't get in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's good. Like it's I I kind of don't like how it looks. This is a weird recommendation. I'm not a, I'm not a rotoscope guy because I was like, oh, I wish you ever just made it live action or animated. You know, pick a lane. But it's good. It's it's quite compelling. It's from the I think the writer of BoJack Horseman, and it, it tackles a lot. You know, um, for a movie 
Catwoman's, I guess you could generously call a movie about a woman having a bad time <laughs> and coming back from it. I think Undone maybe is on the same length, or I'm just that, pulling things out. Thank my you ass. very much for finally answering the question of what Catwoman is about for you, Niall. Um, woman on a verge of a nervous breakdown. I don't, th- I don't think I was asked what it was <laughs> oh, about. Oh, okay. I think it fell apart. <laughs> I th- the message of Catwoman, the film, is never work late. It never works out. You're going to get murdered. Yeah. Yeah, it's every every Catwoman movie is kind yeah. of like the 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 dangers of working late yeah. and not having children and just being a woman in general. Yeah, just don't yeah. be a woman. Even yeah. Anne Hathaway almost got hit with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Um, if I remember the movie right. <laughs> uh, okay, um, and Billy, what would you recommend for listeners? Um, I'm not kind of what what have I been doing with my life lately? I don't know. Like I have, I, I've recently kind of started a new job. Uh, I went straight from finishing college into the new job. So I haven't really been doing kind of much like or watching much kind of new stuff. But if you're kind of looking for something in the same kind of vein of kind of Catwoman, I would say just kind of delve into kind of all the late 90s, kind of early 90s kind of comic book movies. So like the likes again, I, I, we're going to have, I know I don't think Daredevil is on the bottom 100, but we're going to have to do a special thing because I just keep talking about Daredevil. <laughs> But like the likes of like Daredevil and like Darkman and I just say like lean into kind of the campness I suppose because I often I just find that there's something about them that they just they're total pick-me-ups total pick-me-ups and again the likes of like the Resident Evil movies and um and uh Underworld like we're gonna have to try and figure out a new genre Darren again that's like aside from film not that like what is that like sexy leather badass lady new metal vibes like what could we call it spadal is what i have so far sexy badass uh, leather <laughs> just spunk universe again yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yes yeah. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no confusion there. I, I, yeah. I love by the way that like somebody in that meeting had to be giggling right somebody in that kind of like project where it's like so we've unveiled the new sony shared universe I present to you Spunk. And somebody somewhere had to be like just giggling and just like, "What, Bob? What is it, Bob? Tell us what it is." This is something I heard at home. Never mind. It's all good. It's like it reminds me. Of, you know, Spunk's gonna make a big splash. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the thing about the Olympians, and it's like the the female commentators uh, congratulating to. I think I don't know if they're rowers or swimmers. But there were two young fellas, and she goes, "Oh my god!" And your third leg was amazing, and one of the boys just he can't keep it together, and he cracks up laughing, <laughs> and then she realizes what he says, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> that would be me, in fairness. But in in rowing, they also have cocks. <laughs> well, yeah, the person who has the announcer at the top is the cocks, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's with like the large kind of like team of rowers. I, I, I guess this is just like two of them or Again, six or six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it all circles back. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, and in terms of, of recommendations for myself, um, I'm going to double down on something Billy recommended there, which is the weird 2000s superhero boom before it kind of like crystallized into like the MC that we have today, where like the previous year you had movies like, say, Hulk, which I think Ang Lee's Hulk is massively underrated. Um, it's a movie that genuinely loves being a comic book movie. I think Daredevil, uh, which is not a good movie per se, but the director's cut I think is fascinating. And it's it's kind of an interesting attempt to make a comic book movie that looks different from pretty much any comic book movie we have now. 
Um, if you're looking for recommendations in terms of Catwoman from the early 2000s, uh, in terms of comic books, because I'm a big comic book nerd, this was around the time that you had Darren Cook doing the graphic novel Selena's Big Score, which is fantastic. Darren Cook is like a, or was a 40s influenced artist. He worked on the animated series, so it has that kind of like Bruce Timm design. And you have Ed Brubaker's uh, kind of 40 issue run on Catwoman that began around the time and ran through the movie's production, uh, which is getting an omnibus release, I think, next February, uh, which is well worth checking out. That's the Catwoman of East End omnibus. Um, so those would be uh, my recommendations. And I recommend it before uh, because the comic book movie that I really enjoyed and one of the best ones of the past couple of years, uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I think it's fantastic. I, I really, really enjoyed that. All right, then. So if people are looking for a bit more Billy, a bit more Nile in their lives, where can they find you? So Billy, where are you at? What are you up to? Um, so you can still find me on Video Nasty. Nasty presents on Instagram. Uh, Video Nasty is a horror and genre color palette project that I run. So I am currently shadow banned. So any sport would be <laughs> be appreciated. I got in trouble because I made a joke about being a sugar baby at my new job, and Instagram didn't like that. So they shadow banned me and they slapped me. Uh, they I can't uh, do branded uh, partnerships. So uh, uh, what is a sugar baby? Is that like a jelly baby? It's <laughs> yeah. like a, the, the counterpoint to a sugar daddy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like uh, the sugar daddy yeah. has okay. a sugar so, baby. Some guys, you get banned for that? Yeah, some dude messaged me on my personal Facebook and he sent the, the message just read really funny and he was like, oh, I'm looking for girls like you. Obviously, it was like a generic catfish message or whatever. And he was like, oh, I'll give you 5,000 euro a week. And the best part is you don't have to send any nude pictures. So I just kept going back to it. I sent it to my friends because I thought it was funny. And then I just thought it was so funny that I was like, oh, like, because like I have um, like kind of a jokey relationship with the guys that I'd interact with on Instagram. So I made a joke poll. Obviously, I blocked out whoever this dude's face was and any kind of discernible information. But see, the thing was, I think the problem was that I asked, I made a question. I did a kind of a poll and I was like, oh, should I become yeah. a sugar baby? Yes or yes in red. But I'd say Instagram probably has an algorithm that picks up ah, okay, kind of yeah. keywords. Yeah. Yeah. Like within three minutes, they had flagged it and come down on me like the hammer of Thor. Like I've tried to appeal it twice, but they're they're not budging. And I well, like maybe you, you should give the money back. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So they absolutely came down on me because I think I think they said something about it was like solicitation, and I was like, <laughs> okay, sure. Like okay, that's fine. So I'm trying to get in contact with them to see, like, um, as in, like, hello, it's a joke. I'm not actually, like, prostituting myself. <laughs> it's not, like, I mean, I can if you want, like, you know, but, like, not, like, not like that. Not quite yet. I'm not that bad yet. The message was there. There wasn't even any nudes being <laughs> No, sent. yeah. It's like, yeah. soliciting what, you know? Yeah. This seems Just like it's my, perfectly my, above my, board. Um, yeah. yeah. My winning personality. more like a patron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so any support, guys, is obviously welcome. I just post about movies a lot, um, and I have an I have a Twitter now, which is also I think it's a the nasty presents. I don't think I could fit the full username in, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And Niall, watch it. Where you at? Watch it. Watch up. There. So you can find me mostly on um, on Twitter at Niall the Glynn, where I talk a lot of crap about movies and make jokes only I really find funny. But that's what I like about Twitter is if I even get one like, I feel like I've accomplished something, which is really sad. Uh, I'm writing for freshtake.com, a Welsh film and TV site, and uh, Gamer, the Irish gaming site. We're getting back into streaming now. We're going to be streaming uh, Back for Blood, a new zombie game later, uh, and hopefully regularly from now on, so that should be fun. 
also uh, writing a bit for Massive Cinema, a UK publication. I'm going to be doing a piece on James Bond, hopefully soon. If that movie actually happens, I'm still... There's no time to waste. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Bezos might take it to space just to keep it away from me. That's how I'm feeling nowadays. <laughs> uh, I had... In- I had one more thing to plug, and I'm just completely blanking on it now. Oh, of course, yeah. So um, we've got our Star Wars podcast, uh, the Monday Lorians. Ooh, I like We're it. We're currently wrapping up the end of uh, the Bad Batch, which is a really, really good animated series that absolutely no one's watching, which is really sad. I'd say it's probably um, the strongest Star Wars TV show to date. Really Ooh. beautiful, like amazing the budget of it, and it's good. I like parts of Clone Wars. Is it better? So it's better than I, the good parts of Clone Wars. I think it's just because it it's only one season in. It's for a first season. Oh, okay. One of these shows is so strong. It's a good batch of episodes. Is what uh, you're saying? Yeah, an actual good batch, and you just get to hear one man do the same kind of bad Kiwi accent. Oh yes, for a hundred yes. characters, and it's very endearing. Uh, yeah, so you can catch that on Fresh Take as well. And I think that's it for me. Yeah, I feel like I just spoke for an hour about myself. Oh, just quick lead on from Star Wars. If anyone's in Wexford, as in the last, I think, oh, yeah, in the last week, we have a Star Wars themed smoothie and protein bowl place after opening it up called the Mangalorian. Wow. Are we allowed to mention that in the podcast? Like, will that be shut down by Disney's lawyers now as a result of being pinged in some sort of algorithm? Hopefully not. Sorry, lads. Just in case, <laughs> I was trying to do you a favor. I'm so sorry. It's like when I see the Disney ices, uh, like van driving around, like the Disney ice cream, the ice cream van that has Disney oh, ices. Yeah. Disney ices. Yeah. Like, is that what they call the fan base now? Yeah. Well, wow. You say 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 the Disney is like you don't sue us. Can't you just buy us? Like, buy him yeah. out, boys. Let us yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how it's, our share price like creative is... direction. From... Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Here, here are the here are the smoothies that we're planning for like twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. Untitled, yeah. untitled Disney smoothie project twenty twenty five. Oh wow! I can't believe Kevin Feige announced vanilla again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, I hear he's going to fold it into the universe now, so it'll be grand. Vanilla and chocolate together, finally. Um, that's what the fans have been clamoring for. Um, all right. So if you want to catch up with Niall or keep Tabby on Billy. That's what you can do right now. Those were terrible cat puns. I apologize for that. Um, all right. We'll be- that hurt me, darling. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> that hurt me deep. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I don't have any more cat puns. You'll be pleased to hear. But we'll be back next week uh, when hopefully the wonderful uh, Donald Clark and the fantastic uh, John McGuire will be joining us for a discussion of All About Eve. So we are jumping from one classic study of like, Life of Women to another classic study of life. I can see Niall is like, yeah, but you invite me for Catwoman. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I, I know, I know my place. I'm a bottom hundred boy. Can literally like you're a power bottom girl. <laughs> Again, the conversation literally started with me going, "What would you guys like to cover?" Richard very kindly not this time no this yeah but time. Richard, Richard very kindly and generously saying oh I don't know I'll let Niall choose very foolishly yeah. um, I did like by the way that when I, I when I asked Niall would he come on and talk about Catwoman Niall's first question was is Richard coming back um, <laughs> I, was, I feel like we can't do that to Richard I feel like to... and I think you went in asking me knowing full well what my answer <laughs> yeah. would be well I kind of <laughs> I figured it fit with I figured this was of a piece with Blood Rain I kind of saw but anyway <laughs> yeah. we'll be back next week Thank you so much for your time, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Um, cheers. Bye. 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 Thanks, guys. Guys.
know you know you should be scared of us. You know you wanna sing with us. That's why you know you should be scared of us.